This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 28. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I am Sid, and we are here to discuss My Hero Academia today with our special guest, Doctor, from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. I'm very excited for this discussion wordy of My Hero Academia's heroic reputation, but first we gotta get through some news! Uh, shouldn't we talk about Robot Laser Beam a little bit? You know, the, the last jumpstart out of the six that we've been getting recently? Yes, Robot Laser Beam by the creator of Kuroko's Basketball, Fujimaki-sensei, forget his first name, but it's basically a golfing manga with a very unusual protagonist who has no interest in golf whatsoever and is this very kind of strange asocial character who is very matter-of-fact about his opinions and very straightforward and is very blunt about the fact he doesn't see why sports are fun and why hitting a ball with a stick and seeing how far it goes is fun at all. But he's naturally talented at it because, whether he realizes or not, he has been kind of practicing golf pretty much all his life just by going out with his dad and, like, hitting balls into this basket thing while killing time. So he's been honing skills for pretty much, like, I don't know, considerable portion of his life. So, randomly, when some bullies are uh, taunting a friend of his, you know, he sticks up for his friend, and he manages to show them up in a contest to see who can hit the a ball farther. And, you know, he keeps going because he has this very obsessive personality until he gets a hole-in-one. And it's really impressive to everyone. And so now, like, the captain of the golf club at his school wants to recruit him, but, you know, he's still not interested in it. And also, he's attracted attention of this ace golf high school player who thinks that Robo is the guy that he heard hit, like, an amazing shot earlier. Even though, time frame-wise, it's probably he wasn't Robo he heard. But still, he thinks it's Robo because he hears a similar shot when Robo goes back to practice with his friend, like, the next day or whatever. So now a new rivalry starts to form up. And this uh, rival guy is basically Aumine from Kroko's Basketball. Like, he looks exactly like him. Uh, he's not as, like, mean-spirited in terms of personality. But, uh, you know, he kind of has the same similar personality. Like, he's he's pretty aggressive. But anyway, I was looking forward to Robot Laser Beam ever since uh, Fujimaki-sensei mentioned that he was going to do a golfing manga after Kuroko, and I was like, yeah, I have been conditioned to like golf for most of my life. <laughs> I can get behind a golfing manga. That sounds great. And so far, Robot Laser Beam has had a pretty typical start for a sports series. It stands out because Robocon is very unique protagonist. He's not like the usual go-getter, like, I'm super into this, I really want to succeed like other modern sports manga protagonists are. And he's not like a completely aloof, like, he's not good at it kind of character either. Like, um, other characters, like the main character of Baby Steps or whatever, you know, who aren't good at first, but then get good. Like, he's good right now, but he just doesn't have any motivation. 
So that's what sets them apart from other sports manga protagonists right now. So I can get behind the series. It's probably, you know, uh, I like the main character. I like golf. At least I think I like golf based on every how much I've had to play it over the years. <laughs> and, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. You know, a lot of people are very excited for it, especially Marlene, who's the editor of it, you know, so, like, she'll probably try and push for it to get added into the English jump, so I'd expect it to see it going forward, especially since Kuroko is a very popular and fairly successful series over here to begin with. So I'm very excited to see where this goes and uh, how it'll turn out. So, good, good stuff. Yeah. I don't have much else to add to that other than, like, I've, n- well, I can't say I've never read Kuroko. I've I've read about maybe a volume's worth of Kuroko, and I was kind of bored, honestly. But, I mean, to be fair, I think I'd probably like it better watching it, honestly, uh, through Crunchyroll or whatnot. But, yeah, I read this, and I thought it was all right. Like Sid said, it, it's a bit of a typical start, so, you know, there's there's not much I can add to it other than I... I, I like the idea of the protagonist of a sports series, you know, being good at the sport, but not having like the motivation to start off with. So I'd I'd like to see a character arc maybe come out of that because I feel like Slam Dunk kind of did a similar thing where Sakuragi, you know, he, he had the potential to, you know, be good at basketball, but he literally only wanted to play basketball to hopefully date a girl that he likes and didn't realize until like near the very end that, oh, wait, I like this sport. Um, which I thought was a really good moment for that series. So I'm hoping something interesting and uh, inspiring sort of comes out of that. Um, I could see that maybe, but uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I I thought it was interesting, and I wouldn't mind reading it weekly, honestly. Mm. Yeah, well, Sakuragi had motivation just in the fact he wanted to, you know, go out with a girl and press her. So that That's pushed true, him yeah. to get better and better. So the interesting thing right now with Robo is that he just doesn't have any motivation at all to even play the sport. So that's what I'm interested in seeing, like, what gets Robo to want to play the sport and what ends up motivating him to actually want to succeed and actually want to be the best and actually compete. So I think that's a very interesting aspect of sports manga to tackle with a very unique and atypical protagonist. I really wonder what um what the situation with the jump starts is going to is going to look like by the time we record our next episode cuz I have to imagine that they're probably going to be uh picking a few of them pretty soon to add to the magazine. Yes, I'm assuming that after Robot Laser Beam finishes its jump start run, they'll start announcing what they have picked up, probably not immediately, but I think by the beginning of May, we'll probably see this, uh, some new, some of the things they picked up start trickling in. Yeah, hopefully. But uh, as soon as we get uh, some some updates on that, we'll be sure to let you guys know. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably discuss that when the time comes. I'm sure, depending on the selection, me and Sid will probably have some thoughts on that. I, I can see maybe like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Viz picks something that I wish could have stayed in and I'll probably be angry about it. I don't know. You never know what'll happen. Um, we'll just have to see. It's an interesting time for the Viz jump. But uh, now, Sid, we can move on to the news. Mister, I'm gonna jump the gun. Um, <laughs> you know anyways, who's so- got the power. You know who's going to cast that spell. Who's <laughs> going to save the day? <laughs> Not Makoto Raikou. Not anymore. Uh, yeah. So 
we unfortunately have to start off with a bit of um with a bit of somber news that uh you know, Makoto Raiku, in case you don't know, is the author of such works as uh, Konjiki no Gash Bell, or Zatch Bell, as, it, as it's known over here in the States, and uh, Animal Land, which I believe was released over here by Konancha. I think all of that's going to be out pretty soon. No, because they delayed the next volume again. Oh, again? <sighs> until the fall. Ah, uh, well, that's unfortunate. Three volumes left to go. Take another three years at this rate. <laughs> Well, they're almost done. Hopefully they'll be done soon. But anyway, so, you know, Makoto Raiku launched a new series in Weekly Shonen Magazine called Vector Ball. And, you know, I, I haven't really read any of it, I'll be honest. But from from the little I've seen of it, it, it looked like pretty classic Raiku. You know, it looked it looked pretty neat. I, I was looking forward to maybe reading it when more of it was available. But it looks like, unfortunately, Vector Ball has ended. Unfortunately, the circumstances behind why it ended aren't really the happiest. From from what I'm hearing, it seems like Vector Ball ended in the middle of an arc. In the middle of a fight, no less. And uh, Raikou essentially wrote a whole blog post about this on his blog. He was basically, you know, kind of stressed out because apparently he wasn't getting good, like, questionnaire results in the poll at uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday. Like, it, it wasn't, apparently wasn't doing very well. And so he basically got so stressed out, you know, trying to come up with a new direction to take his series, to come up with new, like, plot developments and whatnot. And it looks like it just kind of got to him so much that, like, he just decided to end it just out of nowhere, which is unfortunate. And this really seems to have, like, just really devastated him, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Raikou has always had self-confidence issues, if you've ever read his author comments in, like, Satch Bell volumes or Amaland volumes, there are a lot of times where he's gonna, he writes about how down he is about himself and, like, how unsatisfied he is with his own work and stuff. So, with Vector Ball not doing, like, amazing in magazine, you know, with him being, like, forced to take the story in directions he doesn't want to do it just for the sake of making it more popular, not something he would enjoy writing, I can see why he would, like, and the series the way he has because like he is doesn't enjoy doing it anymore and doesn't enjoy doesn't think he'll enjoy what he would have to do to make it more successful yeah so he he basically emailed kodansha and was like yeah i i can't do this anymore like i don't i don't want to write the series essentially which is unfortunate and you know I think maybe he could use a few words of encouragement and you know if you guys maybe want to send him a tweet or two he does have a twitter uh, and that's at Raiku Makoto. Uh, you know, let let him know that you like his work. You know, whether it be Zatch Bell or Animal Land or whatnot. You know, just just let him know that you appreciate his work and that you hope he feels better. Especially if you know Japanese and can tweet at him in Japanese, so he can read it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you really want to tweet him, tweet at him in English, just make sure it's something you know simple enough, like "Get better" or "I like your work" or something like that. Yeah, you know. In Vector Ball, there were puzzles that were inside balls, which were inside vectors, which were inside balls, which were inside more puzzles. But the real puzzle is why Makoto Raikou is so down on himself when he's made such great manga that people love and remember worldwide. And we need to show him our support and love. So, uh, we wish all the luck to, uh, to Makoto Sensei. 
Make more manga, Makoto Raikou. You're amazing. Animal Land is a masterpiece. You have another masterpiece in you. I know it. Make more manga! And I also, I'm I'm a huge fan of Zatch Bell. Zatch Bell's pretty good, too. Yeah, it's pretty good. Z- Zatch Bell was something that, like, really a part of, like, I guess my childhood. I don't know. I was I was kind of a preteen at the time. But, you know, it was it was a series that I really loved, you know, growing up, so... Yeah, I mean, Zatch Bell was important to me, too, because if Dragon Ball was the first anime I watched, then Zatch Bell was the anime that was pretty important because it would be the second anime, which would be the gateway to get me into watching more anime. So Zatch Bell is also pretty important in my anime fandom and my memories, too. So, yeah, I mean, Makoto Raikou, been a big fan of his for over a decade, and it's very heartbreaking to see, like, him having such low self-esteem and low, like, opinion of his own work when it means a lot to me and I'm sure thousands, if not um, over a million people worldwide. With that all being said, Sid, we do have some new series coming up. Uh, would you like to talk about those? Yeah, it seems like everyone looked at what Shonen Jump is doing and like, oh, you're doing six new series? Well, now we're going to do six new series, too. How about that? And so Jump Square is going to be launching six new manga in subsequent months to celebrate its 10th anniversary. And makes sense considering, you know, Love Rue Darkness ended recently and Seven Gardens moving to online serialization only, so they need to fill up some slots. So right now the roster is looking... Uh, to be the Rurouni Kenshin Hokkaido arc, which has been delayed to summer. Just going to mention that right right now. Originally, it was reported that it would begin serialization this month, but it's been moved to summer. So, whether that means May or June, July, no one knows yet. Probably May, considering the other series have like definitive dates. But we'll see about that. In the June issue, though. We're gonna get Do Kyotentai Exilus by Kitada Ryoma. Uh, in the July show, we're getting Futari Bochi Sensu, otherwise known as The Battle Between Only Us Two by Hijihara Erubo. On the August issue, we're getting Katsugeki, which translates Fury, by Token Ranbu. And we're also getting Yugai Shite Dokusei, otherwise known as Harmful Designations Name Your Students, by Kuroha. And then finally in September issue, we're getting Sentako no Toki, aka Time to Choose, by Gunsen Kiri. I haven't heard of any of these guys, but the preview images look interesting. Looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. Yeah. It is unfortunate that uh, the Hokkaido arc had to be delayed, though. I was really looking forward to that. But the important thing is it's still going to come out. Yeah. Like, I, I hope... I hope they delayed it just because maybe they they like they wanted to run it along with these new series and not because um Watsky may be having uh production issues, but otherwise, um you know, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I think Watsky might have wanted some more time to work on it. Or they just thought it would be better to debut it closer to these other series. Either way, I think that we can look forward to it, and it'll turn out pretty good. Yeah, but uh, not as many new manga coming out this time around. Uh, so we're gonna be 
heading right into our licensing news. And, uh, you know, we, we, we got a lot to talk about here. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, some stuff from Yen Press, uh, some, some new licenses uh, that'll all be uh, released uh, this October. And uh, the first of those being uh, Gabriel Dropout by Ukami. I'm pretty sure there is an anime for this, like this season, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, there was. And from what I'm seeing about the synopsis, it seems like it's about a girl who is an angel, and she decided to attend a human school to learn about the Earth or human culture or something, but then uh, starts playing video games and becomes obsessed with that. Yeah, so basically she was an honor student, she was top of the class at the angel school, but when she came into human school, and when she became engrossed in human culture and video games, she became a good-for-nothing otaku. And so she's had a huge fall from grace, and that's that's basically the premise of the show. I haven't really watched more of it, but it's something I'm interested in. So, cool. It sounds like it could be cute. But up next, we also we have we have some more. Uh, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Uh, Sword Oratoria by Takashi Yagi, and that's essentially just a manga based on a spinoff novel series focusing on Sword Princess Eyes Wallenstein. That is a very uh, Western name there. And then uh, afterwards, we have uh, Hybrid and Heart from Riku Ayakawa. I, I don't even want to go through the synopsis of this because it seems like it, it's a it's basically this is a manga based on a light novel that apparently inv involves chess rubbing. And that's kind of where I stop there, honestly. <laughs> oh. it's, it's like freezing, I guess. I guess I, I didn't really I personally wasn't too interested in it. And then, uh, you know, for all you ReZero fans, we are going to be getting some uh, some more of that with uh, ReZero Chapter Three Truth of Zero by Daichi uh, Matsususe. Um, I tried. Um, and it seems like it's just another manga based on the ReZero light novel series. Yeah, it's based on but it's basically the most important arc in the anime. Well, I mean, it's basically most of the anime, that arc, so... Okay, Pretty great arc. I would probably rank it pretty highly if I were to reconfigure my list of favorite arcs or whatever, because it's a really great storyline. But, yeah, cool to see the manga version of that is going to be out soon. Uh, so there you go. Some, some, some franchises I know everybody loves. This will all be released uh, this October, so you can uh, look forward to that. But Sid, Viz has probably double that coming out pretty soon. You want to talk about some of that? Yeah, Wiz got Yen Press beat, man. At Anime Boston, they announced so many new manga. First off, we got Abi Umeda's Children of the Whales, which takes place in a world covered in sand, and a boy called Charaku, or Chakuro, I mispronounced that, he drives a giant vessel mud whale in the sand. It basically seems like Sand Whale and Me, except less weird. So there we go. <laughs> and then we've also got Maki and Joji's SB Baby, which is about a part-time worker named Tomiki, who is in the middle of searching for a full-time job so he can pay for his younger brother's tuition. And that looks like it'll be coming out... But both of these are coming out in November. Yes. Then we've got, after that, 
Mizio Isins and Hikaru Nakamura's Juni Taizan Zodiac Warriors, which centers on the greatest battle royale novel ever, where 12 warriors burdened with the names of 12 Chinese Zodiac members fight with each other's lives and pride at stake to grant one wish. So it's basically Fate Zero with Zodiac characters instead of historical characters. That's pretty neat, and that'll be out in October. And then finally, which we got something that's going to be really exciting for our good friend Casey, we've got a collection of Junji Ito stories called Shiver, which is, uh, like I described, a collection of short stories from Junji Ito, nine of them. And they're all picked by him himself. Yes, and presented with accompanying notes and commentary. So that's going to come out in this December. Yeah, so that's pretty great. And we've also got some uh, new releases and some stuff that Wiz has been offering on the free section lately. If Colton, you want to go over that? Yeah, so um, th- this was interesting because I was actually on Twitter the night before we started recording today when they were uh, tweeting out some of these. And... Uh, uh, some of these they actually deleted tweets for because I guess uh, whoever was running the Twitter that night uh, sort of misspoke that all of these would be digital only. But uh, some of these have been basically corrected to say that some of these will be digital first, which I'm pretty sure implies that they'll be digital first, but eventually we'll get print releases for some of these. Um, so yeah, like Sid said, uh, all of these uh, pretty much you can read for free on uh, on viz.com. Uh, but they're finally releasing these, which is pretty cool. And uh, the first one that's going to be coming out digital first uh, will be uh, Naruto Chibi Sasuke Sharingan Legend, uh, which the first volume of that will be released this July. And then um, <clears throat> the one um, I'm sort of looking forward to the most is going to be the first volume of Astra Lost in Space, which will be released digital first this October. I really hope this gets a physical release because I really need more Shinohara, Kenta Shinohara manga physically. The last volume of Skep Dance is not enough. And then next up we have uh, The Promised Neverland, which will be premiering digital first on October. And then uh, as far as our digital only releases go, uh, we have, I believe her name is Akira Amano. We're going to be having her work coming out, uh, El Delive, uh, digital only this April. Uh, along with The Emperor and I this summer 2017. And uh, we're going to be getting uh, Tokyo Ghoul Jack uh, digital only as well this fall 2017. Strange to me that Tokyo Ghoul Jack is only going to be digital only considering how well Tokyo Ghoul does. Yeah, that is actually kind of interesting. I didn't think about it like that. But, I mean, you never know. Maybe it'll sell so well that Viz will consider a physical release. I don't know. That is actually kind of interesting that you bring that up. But, uh... I, I can see why stuff like Eldalive and The Emperor and I are probably digital only because those are both full color comics. Yeah. And also no one liked the Eldalive anime, apparently. So well, that's unfortunate. I'm glad that at least Astra and Promise Neverland I mean, obviously I would assume Promise Neverland would have gotten a physical release at some point. But I'm really glad that Astra Lost in Space is probably gonna get a physical release at some point, because again, I I really do wanna own that. And I'm probably going to buy that hopefully day one. Maybe uh, along with Promise Neverland, I should be honest. I don't know, Sid, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to both of those things, basically. I mean, it's great that we got confirmation. Like, I never 
expected otherwise. I always expected that we'd get the digital volumes or print volumes of these because they have been very popular and doing well. So it's just great to finally get like an official confirmation that, yeah, we're getting those later this year. And uh, I guess the last thing here that Viz announced is uh, apparently they're going to come out with a an entire one-shot volume, including all of Death Note. It's going to be an all-in-one edition this August. Yeah, I mean, after the, the Japanese edition came out last year, I knew it was only a matter of time. And now I'm looking at my shelf at all the Dead Noon Omnibus volumes I have, and I'm like, why did I bother getting these if they were going to get put this out anyway? And it was going to have this exclusive thing in it anyway. So, gosh darn it, why did I even bother? Well, to be fair, Sid, I, I would rather collect the Omnibus editions than, than this all-in-one edition because I, I thought I heard somewhere that, like, that, that the spine was going to be a little more durable, but, like, I kind of have my doubts about that because it's like all of Death Note altogether is clearly over 2,000 pages worth of comics. Like, I, I can't imagine trying to read that big chunk of book you know like i like i can't imagine like how the spine's gonna look afterwards so honestly i personally wouldn't even bother i mean i guess it's a cool thing but like practically speaking i i don't think it's worth it i don't know the bone omnibus is over three thousand pages and it sold like amazing and no one seems to complain about that so i'm sure that this will be fine well i'm assuming the spines are those are made of titanium or something or they probably used a lot of glue I don't know. It, it seemed paperback to me. Yeah, so that's cool. So if you want to buy that, that's coming out this August. Yeah, moving on. We also got some new stuff coming from Digital Manduka because they put up a Kickstarter for Ozumu Tezuka's Wonders 3. And they previously had tried to do that before. Didn't do so great. And I was left wondering what it would take three times to get Wonders 3 published in America. And kind of turns out it did. Because finally, the third time they've tried to release Wonders 3 through Kickstarter, they succeeded. It met the goal in like three days. It's pretty great. And the great thing about it is that in addition to Wonders 3, we're also getting like seven more Tesca manga Omnibuy. We're getting Keith Inoue, Akikazu, Yakipachi's Maria, Dust 8, Euphrates Tree, Say Hello to Bakilia, Metamorphos, and Ambassador Magma. Which is pretty great. Like seven, no, eight, including Wonders 3, new Tesca books that's going to be coming, shipping out hopefully later this year. Unless they get delayed, because digital manga put out good stuff, but they always aren't accurate with their shipping dates, and they always del get delayed, so... Hopefully we'll get those later this year, though. Uh, but yeah, great. More Tesca in English. That's awesome. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I mean, I, pay to, I paid $175 to get the, all these books, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's worth it for Tesca. Well, there you go. That's, that, that's a good thing to hear. More Tesca in English is always a good thing. But uh, with all of our licensing news out of the way, unfortunately, we have uh, some more somber news here. And that is on March 22nd, manga writer Daisuke Sato has passed away due to a uh, ischemic heart disease at the age of uh, 52. And uh, Sato, in case you may not know, was the writer of such manga as High School of the Dead and Imperial Guards. 
while I have never really read his works personally, it is very unfortunate that we've uh, lost yet another creator. That's always sad to hear. Yeah, I know a lot of people really loved Tusk of the Dead and was looking forward to it returning from Hades one day. And it's just unfortunate, though, that such a talented and beloved creator has passed away. It's always very heartbreaking to hear that. I guess to pick us up, maybe? I don't know. Is that we reported last show that Netflix is making some anime-inspired shows based on Erased and Devilman. But the biggest surprise is now that they're making a series on a series that, like, I don't think a lot of people have heard of, but Blazing Transfer Student is getting a live-action show on Netflix. It's going to be a sequel to the manga called Blazing Transfer Student Reborn, where now Noboru is the principal at the school, and uh, seven students, all named Kakuru, transfer into the school to infiltrate and improve it from within to solve a problem with national implications. That sounds like a reasonable extension of Blazing Transfer Student, I guess. You know, I love Blazing Transfer Student. It's a great parody of 70s shonen as an 80s shonen. So uh, it's, it's pretty ahead of its time as a parody. So I really enjoy that manga. I w- I'm pretty, you know, just cool to see, like, wow, people are looking at the series and thinking, hey, let's do something with it. That's pretty nice. Because it's, um, you know, it's 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 kind of obscure. So, it's pretty cool. Uh, and the guy who did the live-action Detroit Metal Series, uh, Detroit Metal City, Toshio Lee, is directing it. So, I haven't watched the live-action Detroit Metal City, but I think it's pretty good from what I've heard. So, should be in good hands. I haven't heard any bad things about it personally so i think i think maybe it'll be enjoyable you know just just like with the last two netflix series we talked about this will also be available in 190 countries uh this winter so i'm i was kind of excited because like you know i've never read blazing transfer student but it totally looks like the kind of thing i would really like so i was really excited to see that this was getting a live action netflix series i was like okay more more 70s uh manga live action adaptations on netflix i can i can go for that i'm well, totally from the 80s whatever 70s 80s i like old stuff i'm glad this is getting some kind of adaptation on netflix uh and uh, apparently this also ran in weekly shown in sunday also yep. I, I i just found that out last night so so it's always good to see weekly shown in sunday get some love especially on netflix that's really cool too oh it's also worth pointing out that the seven students in Kaku are all going to be played by seven members of a band called Johnny's West. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's going to be an interesting uh, tie-in there. Um, it's 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 basically like if you had a series where like you had to fight against like 48 different idols and they were all played by like AKB48 or something. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, actually, it'd be like. If you made a live action precure and all the precure girls were played by members of AKB48. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't tried doing that actually. I'm sure that would make for a great anniversary special. I mean, they make like these precure movies that have all the precures in them, like consistently. So, like, there's got to be over 48 precures by now. Probably. I didn't know this was going to be a sequel 
to the manga though, so I might I might want to start reading the manga soon. So I because I I do want to watch this, but I also I also want to have context for what's going on. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm 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 glad that all of these neat anime properties are coming out of Netflix. But uh, I guess our last piece of news, totally not a transitional tool at all, is that uh, apparently, according to the official Twitter account of the My Hero Academia franchise, they tweeted basically an image of the um, of the 13th volume of the manga. But uh, the image also revealed that uh, as of volume 13, the franchise apparently, which includes the manga novels and all the spinoffs uh, that we've gotten... Uh, will have accumulated more than 10 million copies in print, which I think is um, is pretty cool. Yeah, it's always cool to hear like how well My Hero Academia is doing. So that's pretty nice. Man, I wish we could talk more about My Hero Academia. I wish we had a reason. Oh, wait, there's this new season of My Hero Academia. That's reason enough. Man, I wish there was someone else we could talk about it with. Oh, wait, we have someone else. We invite someone else. They're waiting probably right now. Uh, probably. We, 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 should, we should probably go tend to him. Yeah, let's transition into the next thing. And now we are here to discuss our special topic for this episode, My Hero Academia! This super-powered super hit has been a hot topic of discussion between Shonen Jump and just general anime manga fans for the past two years. Colton and I are big fans, and with two years of serialization plus ongoing and a second season currently airing, we thought it would be a perfect time to discuss the series. Joining us today is a special guest, Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast, who, like Colton recently did on our Black Clover discussion, has recently read through practically the entire series, from beginning to end in just a recent spurt. How are you doing today, Doctor? I'm doing very well. I, 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 I feel like now I have to do like a more heroic voice. I'm doing very well! <laughs> Super! I'm channeling Frankie there, even though he's not a superhero. But that's a pretty heroic thing to say, nonetheless. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna assume you're just naked right now. Like I don't know. I, <laughs> this is audio only, so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you, you could you could get away with that. It's an audio podcast. You could be naked if you want. That's true. No one would know. No one would know anything that I'd be doing while talking right now. For all you knowing. I could be doing my taxes, or I could be fighting crime! You could be. While doing your taxes. I could be on the go, on the streets, gun in my hand, tracking down dangerous criminals, forming bank robberies, stopping highway car accidents, and foiling nefarious terrorist bombings! You sound like you lead a very exciting double life, Sid. I wish I did. D D Disney Channel should make like a like a like a TV sitcom out of you. That I would watch that. The life of a neat who is deluded into thinking he's a superhero. That would be <laughs> a very relevant show for modern youth. <laughs> it sure would. Um, so, Doctor, um, I'm I'm glad to finally have you on Manga Mavericks. This is really fun. Uh, yeah, for sure. I I feel like I've only talked to you every once in a while. <laughs> That's a joke. We have a <laughs> podcast together, so it's sort of like. 
I'm already tired of Colton. I was like, oh, I'll have to talk to you again. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, you know, it, we, we don't podcast enough, Doctor. Uh, this is, and and that's why I brought you on the show, clearly. Um, but yeah, so this is our first time having you on the show. And, you know, like we said, you're the host of uh, pretty uh, old podcast right about now. It's just seven, eight years old, right? Uh, roughly, yes. It's It's been a while. Uh, we haven't put out an episode uh recently to to i mean to, if i can probably do the tldr of this uh colton had approached me to talk about my hair academia a while back ago on my show and i think that was around the time when the first season of the anime was just airing yeah uh we didn't do it <laughs> it's for so long that I feel like Colton deliberately ma- uh, made this podcast as a way for him to bring it, uh, <laughs> me to talk about my hair academia. A long-term plan that he had devised from the beginning of January, even in before the first season had even started airing. He knew that your plan to have the My Hero discussion on the Ask Backwards Anime podcast would not pan out. So that's why he applied to All Comic to co-host this podcast, knowing that in a year and a quarter, he would be able to engineer and schedule this podcast finally once and for all yeah I, I, at this point at this point now I'm just gonna assume this is the last episode of Ma- manga Mavericks because it's all now that the plan is complete he no longer has to have this podcast anymore uh, of course oh, no what will become of me then I will have to continue fort bravely alone <laughs> or I could just get Velor to to co-host, he can do anything. He lives right here, and he's a lazy bum who could use to do more work. Right now, he's just sleeping in his bedroom, lying there, lazy. Get up, Waylord! Get up out of that bed right now! I just want V-Lord to, like, like in the background, go, Hey, shut up, try to sleep. <laughs> Poor guy. I don't know how he could sleep with that. But yes, um, so yeah, I, I run the Asperger's Anime Podcast. We've been there for a while. Uh, several spinoffs have been created since then, including Just a Kintama Podcast, which is a, series, a podcast about Kintama, latest manga goings-on, and anime, of course, that just ended again. Um, and One Podcast Prevails, which is a, a Detective Conan slash Case Closed sort of uh, podcast dealing with the beginnings of the series as we go through every uh, chapter or case in the manga, um, and Colton is a co-host on there. So yeah, we've I've been doing stuff for a while, and um, it's it's nice to finally be on another show that I don't have to edit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's that's always the best feeling. Which which by the way, Doc V Lord is uh, actually listens to one podcast reveals, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, funny story about that. He was studying late one night, and like some, he was listening to one podcast prevails, and some loud sound woke him up from like <laughs> when he fell like kind of comatose for a second there. So for all you know, uh, one podcast prevails may very well saved his life, or at the very least, it allowed him to get a good text score the next morning. So okay. wow, it's wow, making okay. a difference. You guys are making a difference. Just like real superheroes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like we have to advertise that on the on the show now, saying that we we make your grades better by listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 for all you know, that loud noise is probably me because Doctor usually isn't as loud. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'll try not to, unless I was like a random thing I did. I don't remember. 
Uh, One sound always prevails. <laughs> uh, but um, we should probably just get into our My Hero Academia discussion. I guess just to put it out there, if you can, just in your own words, just h- how do you feel generally about My Hero Academia now that you've read enough of it? It's all right. Um, okay, that, I, that, that's a better answer than I thought I was gonna, that I thought we were going to get. Honestly, I, I, uh, I mean, I've, I've if you follow me on Twitter at SSAA Podcast, uh, you might have seen me talk about it every once in a while. But I wanted to save a majority of my thoughts on here. Uh, it's it very much is baby's first um, superhero comic. Um, uh, there, it is a it is a very fun cast of characters with very. Uh, I guess not really generic. I would say, but it's uh, the shonen tropiness of it is is very. It's very much in this series. Um, so if you're coming here to expecting something slightly different from the norm, you're not really going to get it. But what is there is effective. Uh, I can't. I, the problem is I've I've seen enough series. I've watched enough stuff. I've read a lot of manga and comics on the other end because it is uh, having a lot of at least a general basic interest in superhero comics american comics and french what have you i kind of do see like a lot of stuff that i see what they want to try to replicate but it's still within its sort of shonen manga bubble so it i I, there are a lot of things that i feel like could have been expounded upon or could have done a little bit better or maybe tweaked a little but overall, I can understand the love for this series. I it's a li- it's not not to say it's misguided, but I think it's uh, people need to really notice. Like, hey, they're doing stuff that I don't think that I don't believe is new, <laughs> but uh, they do a good job at, at at staying in their lane. If that makes I any sense, I think My Hero Academia is an interesting series because it's taking the concept of the Western superhero and doing it through the media and cultural lens of Japanese culture and society and sort of the issues that are pervasive in Japanese like society right now. Like a lot of uh, Western superhero media right now is all about looking at the darker aspects of superheroes, like portraying superheroes as these tormented figures and uh, postulating like, oh, we need to have serious, heavy regulation on superheroes and stuff. Whereas in My Hero Academia, there's already a regular regulation system in place. And it's a culture and a world where people have grown up with and love superheroes as a concept, at least most of them do. Obviously, the villains don't. But mm-hmm. conflict that in the My Hero Academia is basically uh, heroes as a symbol of peace and maintaining that public trust, which kind of ties into like the systemic uh, distrust of police in Japan. That's kind of a thing. Uh, there's actually a, a lot of interesting cultural like things you can look into with My Hero Academia that I've kind of been. Like when I was like, you know, going through some articles on this series last night, it was like, huh, I should dig deeper into that. So I I can't really expound on it like too much in depth here right now because I'm still doing the research. But I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in My Hero Academia. I do agree, though, that it is a very shonen series and it isn't necessarily um, doing anything that's not uh, a big leap from what is normally done in the shonen genre it is 
a very well-made shonen. But I think it's very interesting to take the concepts and the, uh, and the feet attributes of the shonen battle genre and merge it with the Western and a very classical, uh, superhero sensibilities, like a very optimistic, uh, portrayal of superheroes in uh, culture and media and kind of explore that in this like melting pot of these two different different cultural ideas and i really think that's what makes my hero academia stand out and a lot of what has given it its popularity not only in japan and overseas aside from the fact that superheroes just in general are pretty big business nowadays since the mcu especially is like popular worldwide mm-hmm. Yeah, I um it's interesting like after really kind of thinking about it and um rereading a few portions of my hero academia for the podcast, I think um I think I do agree that like you know, my hero academia is for the most part I think it's pretty standard shonen, but I would also say that um you know, just just last episode we had an entire episode discussing uh, Black Clover which, you know, if you guys haven't listened to that, you should really listen to that, by the way. I forgot to mention that at the top of the top of this episode. But uh, yeah, so like it, it's it's really interesting going from talking about like Black Clover to talking about My Hero Academia, because I do feel like both of them are kind of similar in the way where like both of them are pretty standard shonen. But I feel like I feel like My Hero Academia has certain moments that I really enjoy about it that make me feel like that. Horikoshi, the the author, is um, is still trying a few new things here and there. Like he he has a he has like kind of a variation on a few things. Like um like like during the sports festival, uh, one of my favorite moments is when uh, I think for the uh, for the cavalry battle or whatever, uh, when Midoriya is trying to find uh trying trying to form a team for that part of this festival in particular and he's just like okay well i'm gonna get my my best friends to work with me because obviously i can i can work well with them or whatever and i find it interesting how like like it'd be really easy in another shonen manga that may not be like written as thoughtfully to just have just to basically just have your best friends work with you and 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 things are gonna be uh, and things would just go fine from there or whatever but i i like the choice in having um in having uh, Ida uh, decline Midoriya's offer to join their group and so that he can uh, further his own progress as a hero and as a person. And I, I always found that moment, while it's a very minute moment, I always found it very interesting because I feel like other shonen manga wouldn't, uh, wouldn't execute moments like that in particular like that, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, that's that makes sense. I think it's 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 very much that the, the side characters don't really make their decisions to benefit the main character as much. I think they everyone has their own sort of personal history, their own journey that they want to take. Everyone is not to say damaged, but uh, everyone has everyone has something about them that wants it makes them want to be a hero, which is I guess the constant theme of the series as a whole, which I'm like, okay, that's at least that's good. At least they they make sure that they they don't want to have every um, every one of his friends to stick with him throughout everything. You're going to see them all the time. They kind of have their own sort of little individual quirk, lack of you know, pun, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's nice to see that, and plus you get to see other characters as well, so that's nice. 
Yes, a big issue I've often had in miniseries is that it feels like the supporting cast is defined around the relationship with the main character and don't have their own motivations and drives outside of what's required of in the plot and what the, the their role is is in relationship to the main character but in my year academia all of the supporting cast i feel has their own thing going on their own goals and their their own lives that they're like going through and they're all just intersecting with each other and coming in and out and it's not like and their lives don't feel like they revolve around their interactions with this one person or this one thing that they're doing and i really appreciate that it makes the world feel a lot more alive it makes the characters feel a lot more like believable in their interactions because they have things that they're going on and they're not always you know doing things for or with each other and but but think they're doing things like outside of what we're even seeing. Like right now, Bakugo and Todoroki are t- going to like this cram school. We're not really seeing what they're doing there right now. But you know, right now in the story, like they are not involved in any way in what Midoriya and some other characters are doing. And it's like touches like that. Like everyone's story is still moving forward. But they're not all going around or revolve around Midoriya's story. But they'll come back and intersect when it's necessary. And I think that's just good storytelling. Yeah, because it, it is pretty easy in other shonen to just have to have all the characters be like, I'm going to do this thing because the main character inspires me and they're all I care about because they're the most important character. Well, I mean, not, not to say that it does. they don't still sort of like, oh, hey, here's inspiration from this main character. This guy didn't make me, it made me think about things a little differently. He still sees some characters like that, though. That's true. That's something that I think every is inherent in almost every shonen series. That moment of insp- the main character is a force of inspiration for other characters, and also it guides them along their character arc. So I think that's a quality that most shonen jump protagonists have. Going far as far back to go even farther back, actually, uh, even Kenshiro <laughs> inspired people. You know, so yeah. I guess, um, actually, speaking of the main character, um, how, how do we all feel about Midoriya as a as a shonen protagonist, just in general? He is a shonen protagonist. Um, uh, I think it's funny that I joke about the same thing I joke about is what all my jokes about is like, man, kid, stop crying. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's that's a pretty easy jab to take, but I also feel like. See, I don't know. I, I feel like Midoriya is a very interesting protagonist to me because I, I feel like I feel like there are a lot of things about him that kind of make him stand out in my mind. Like, for one, I, I like the way he I like the way he approaches combat where he's more of a he's more of a thinking man kind of person. Mm-hmm. Like he it, it, it just kind of it kind of goes back to um, sort of a um, I guess a criticism that a lot of people had about the beginning of the series where it's like. Oh, the, the, like, like the series is making this big point about how you don't need powers to be a superhero, but he still inherits, uh, superpowers or whatever. And a lot of people kind of dog on that, but a lot of people also forget that, like, you know, just because he inherits a superpower doesn't just mean, like, he just automatically knows how to use it and things are just going to be easy from there. Like, he still, he still has to go through months and months of rigorous training to be able to even use his power. To the point where, like, you know, where his body won't 
uh, obliterated self, which I really appreciate. I particularly appreciate the limitations on Materia's power that forces him to consider how he uses his power and how much to use and the when it is the right moment to use it. I think those limitations really are something that really help make the tension in like any of his the fights he gets embroiled with like feel all the more like intense mm. because Midoriya really has to be very careful about how he uses his power because he is in constant risk of destroying himself and like permanently crippling his body if he goes too far with it. While he does get stronger over the course of the series, uh, My Hero Academia and Midoriya's like character arc isn't necessarily about getting stronger, but about learning how to use the his power to the best of his abilities in a way that is the most effective and useful for him. And a great moment that we, sh- that sh- like shows him like taking this power that he's received from All Might and making it his own is when he r- realizes that he doesn't need to necessarily use the power in the form of punches, but like he can develop like a kicking style of attack that will like have less strain on his body and especially gives some relief to his, you know, uh, at this point, like very, uh, overworked arms and which are, were in danger of like breaking down if he used the power too much. But mm-hmm. he had like greater length, he had greater length stretch and those, those had his, like, said more endurance behind him. So he develops his own shooting kick style with the one for all power and. Yeah, it, that was a very clever moment, and like I really appreciate that evolution of Midoriya and him taking this power, learning to use it, and making it his own. Yeah, I, I think the the first chapter, which is basically the origin story, which is it's pretty much every origin story that you will see at one point or another uh, for when it comes to character who has no power suddenly realizes he is better than what he is, sort of thing. I think it's honestly the probably the best opening to a series that I've seen in a while and really hits it really hits home the message and what they're trying to do uh to the point where midway through like volume 2 I was just like this is probably the best one shot I've ever read but for some reason it doesn't <laughs> want to stop um hmm. uh I, and I think the the evolution of Midoriya has has benefited him because it sort of because of the pro you have this the constant juggling act when there are so many cast members that you want to shine and let them kind of get to develop a little bit more but you have to also make sure you also focus on your main character it's it the balancing act kind of it's it's tough to do and so but you want him to kind of grow logically and i think yeah that at least the, they've been doing a good job with it it's sort of like a, i can't punch anymore let me try something else is probably the best thing i've ever seen in a while i was like oh yeah that makes sense of, of course you should do that uh, uh so i i appreciate that they're writing him very uh very smart i think that's really it because i i, I mean the, your criticisms that colton you mentioned earlier it's kind of what i have felt it's just like this feels like this is a a, a superman solution to a batman problem um mm-hmm. But I think they're uh, the things that I want them to kind of. I think that I was wondering if they would actually expand upon is sort of his his knowledge of other heroes to make him probably better understand who he's fighting against. 
Uh, obviously, it's mainly heroes. You don't see, he doesn't study villains because you don't see them often. But it's it's, it's sort of that that thing. I was like, oh man, I would love him to kind of be a little bit more intuitive about how he fights. Um, most of the time, it is sort of like, can I punch this really hard and not break? Um, and that's those are the moments are just like, ah man, this could be a little bit better. But I, I like I, I've been liking his progression so far. Well, see, I actually, I actually sort of disagree a little bit because I feel like we get, I feel like we get enough of that in um, even earlier on where um, uh, All Might has uh, has Midoriya and his class go through all those uh, battle simulations or whatnot, and when he has to face off against Bakugo, I feel like, well, yeah, I, I do agree. It would have been interesting to maybe see him use his. Uh, sort of use his knowledge of other superheroes uh, in battle. I feel like we kind of get that with Midoriya and Bakugo's first fight in the series. Yes. A little bit, but uh, I don't know. I I thought that fight in particular uh, demonstrates uh, what I was trying to say earlier, is that I I like Midoriya a lot because he doesn't doesn't just rely on his powers because, you know, he, he, at that point, he still doesn't really know how to use them very well. And he's still learning how to use his powers, so he 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 has to constantly uh, strategize and has he he has to he has to use his brain more than his brawn, uh, which was something I really enjoyed about earlier My Hero Academia. Not not that he doesn't do that now, but mm. um, it's just I feel like that's just something I feel like not a lot of other shonen protagonists really do. I mean, you have like you have like people like Goku who like you know they're they just know how to fight. Um, but there's, there's no, I don't know. It's really hard for me to explain. I feel like there, when it comes to like, you know, Goku fighting or Luffy fighting, you know, I feel like there isn't a, they don't really focus so much on strategy so much as can I punch this thing really hard? Yeah, I definitely agree that that's what I think make Meteora stand out is that he is constantly thinking about like, how to best use his power rather than approaching an enemy with a straightforward, okay, I'm going to punch this guy real hard or whatever. Like that's kind of the mindset that other shonen protagonists will usually like go towards. Like that's Goku's attitude. He's going to like punch things, punch his enemy real good uh, until they stop. He like Luffy's the same way. Jotaro's kind of the same to an extent. Yeah, uh, so Midoriya isn't isn't even necessarily concerned always about defeating his opponent, but by doing what the job in what he needs to do in the moment, whether as a that hero. is as a hero, whether that entails rescuing someone or executing this specific plan of action to uh, to help out the group. Like, uh, there's this is something that I think the characters all are really. Uh, I really appreciate about all the characters is that they think is that they think about the larger picture uh, of what they need to do and how to use their powers. And I think that's something that isn't like done as well in a lot of other series. Uh, and uh, the one exception, of course, being Bakugo, but that's uh, to the point of his character that he's this very straightforward, violent guy. And even he actually does learn a little bit as uh, the story goes along about how to better use his power. Which I I really appreciate because I because I, I I hated Bakugo's guts from the very beginning, <laughs> and it's only like really recently now this past year where I'm starting to kind of like come around, uh, come around on him like as as he's starting to learn to, you know, like 
One of my favorite moments recently even was, you know, after Bakugo and Midoriya's kind of rematch, they're basically grounded to their dorms and, you know, they're just cleaning the cleaning the dorms or whatever. And Bakugo is actually asking Midoriya for pointers. And I feel like, again, like it's such a small moment, but I feel like it means a lot for his character. Yes, I think that Bakugo really was uh, humanized a lot during the hideout raid arc where it really was established that, yeah, Bakugo isn't just interested in strength for strength's sake, but is interested in strength in the pursuit of being the best hero. He refuses Shigaraki's offer to become a villain uh, because he doesn't see, like... Uh, merit in strength for the sake of villainy, but really appreciates All Might and using his strength, uh, against, uh, against powers of evil and for helping people. Uh, he is not necessarily concerned with helping people in of itself, but he loves the idea of, of being that kind of person who is so strong that he can have the power to help people. Which is really interesting to me, in, especially in terms of that contrast between his ideology and that of Midoriya's. And so I think it's really also good that uh, Horikoshi didn't take Bakuko's direction uh, in the same way Kishimoto did with Sasuke and like had him like turn into like a villain and like in pursuit of like his own power, which would have been like a very rote way to go, especially since, you know, that Sasuke is the ultimate example of that trope and uh he's also the worst but yeah <laughs> bakugo bakugo has come out a much stronger more interesting character because we see the root of like why he wants to be so strong and what and why and that he does actually want to be a hero and not and it matters to him that he becomes a hero and that def- definitely makes bakugo He's not supposed to be likable at all. Even Horikoshi says that he writes Bakugo to be a jerk. Like, he's not supposed to be conventionally likable. But I think you can like his character archetype, especially now that he's grown out of the phase where he's, like, telling Midoriya to literally commit suicide, like he did in the first chapter. Yeah. Which, uh, I remember Josh went on this, like, five-minute, like, thing, okay, t- telling people, you know, don't don't let people... You know, uh, don't listen to people who tell you to commit suicide when you and him did that uh, My Hero One Punch Man combo episode uh, for uh, for Manga Corner. For yeah. Manga Corner, yeah. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm hoping one week I can I can put that up as like a throwback on um, on the site, uh, maybe for when we don't have an episode. I because unfortunately, uh, I don't I don't think that's on. Um, I don't think that's on Anime 3000 anymore. The last time I checked, so I need to re-upload that. But uh, what's that? Yeah, what is that? Um, but no, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely didn't like Bakugo at the start, but he's 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 coming around. I I can I can at least appreciate his character arc, and and yeah, I it it, it definitely would have been really easy for Horikoshi to go down the Sasuke route, especially since it's it's fact that like he grew up reading Naruto as well. So, yeah, so uh, Kishimoto is clearly a huge inspiration to him, and. I think that he's taken lessons well from, like, Ishimano's storytelling style and the strengths of it and applied it to his own series very well. Because you definitely can get a Naruto vibe in terms of My Hero Academia and, like, draw comparisons between the sports festival and Chunin exams and uh, having this wide cast of characters that are all, like, 
peers and involved and involved in this larger story and come in and out of like being important from arc to arc. So I think he's taken like the strengths of what made Naruto appealing to people and has made those strengths his own and gone further with them. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, that's not really much else I could say, really say about it. I feel like it's uh, having a slightly smarter Naruto is enjoyable, <laughs> given that I was already like eh, on Naruto anyway. So it's sort of like having this, <laughs> having a slightly better version of it is like it's like, yay. <laughs> so like, you, you notice how like I progress through different series. It's, uh, you, you, you can't imagine what my favorite series is like. I have a weird exclamation for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess, um, Doc, what, where was the point, if you could remember, like, where, like, what was, was there a point where you, you started coming, started to kind of, like, maybe enjoy Academia, or maybe wasn't as harsh on it? Oh, yeah, easily. Um, All Might versus uh, All for One. Yeah, that yeah. was a big moment. I think that is, that was a real game-changer moment for the series, I think. That, that, we were talking about this yesterday, actually, Colton. You know, that was kind of a high for the series. That, that's like the peak. That was a moment that, like, kind of the, has defined the series from here on out. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it's being its most emotionally charged and dramatic moment. And, like, now we're, it's, there's kind of like a new status quo in universe, like, afterwards, and things do feel different now, and it's kind of interesting, like, things have been uh, decompressing, but now they're slowly rising up again to, like, the, whatever the next big event is, and what that event be might very well be All Might's actual death this time, but, like, it's it's really, like, interesting to, like, kind of kind of to see how the, how the story has dealt with the aftermath of what the, of that fight, and, like, where things have been heading since then. I, I I would argue that the series actually starts in that moment, um, for me at least, because most of the time going through the series, and I, you know, Colton can attest to this. I I was not really, I was nonplussed with the series for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, coming through the quotunian exams and what have you, you kind of see a lot of the characters you kind of expect and what their what their problem is, and going through all these motions and finally seeing some villains. I was like, okay, this could be a good moment, and you have. An opportunity uh, uh, to possibly show um, sort of a, a, a crack in the armor with All Might, but they didn't really follow through with it. It wasn't until um, All for One and essentially the public outing of All Might to actually finally hit home. Like here is the moment. Here is essentially the, the the moment where people start to turn around on heroes because I think that's really what I wanted to see more of. More of where it's just the public perception of what a hero is and what are they actually protecting and can they protect everyone um, because of the whole thing with um, Bakugo getting kidnapped um, and that whole like press conference was actually very interesting to me because it was just like here's like people publicly like telling Liz hey all these villains are showing up suddenly you are not responding as quick as you can a kid got kidnapped what are you going to do about it and people just suddenly being like I don't know about this this doesn't feel right and having the the moment of all my kind of like showing himself well, his real self and essentially saying i mean not saying to the world but more or less saying directly to Midoriya about like it's it's up to you now uh, it's it was very nice very nice it's like oh man this is like where the comic should have started to some extent or that maybe this event could have happened 
earlier with the when they were doing that first training exercise or whatever. Um, I would have it would have been nice to see that to see that happen earlier, but I can understand the the need to the build up to finally get up to here and this be the the big like here is the here's the breaking point now and from here everything changes. Yeah, I do think that was a very important that passing of the torch from All Might to Midoriya when he says like it's your turn now. I do think like that is like the moment that kind of like shifts gears because now it puts the pressure on Midoriya and the next generation to like rise up and become the pup and become like heroes that can follow the steps of All Might in his generation. And they are the ones who are going to have to deal with this changing and growing mistrust and apprehension towards heroes and what, how successful they are and whether they are actually good in this society. And I think that's like going to be very interesting to see explored down the line. I also just generally think that in like uh, a lot of long running shonen series, like these kind of passing of the torch moments are like real moments that shift the tone and like really set the tone for like what the series is. And from that point onwards, I feel like it's comparable to the third Okage's like sacrifice in the Chunin exams of Naruto, uh, Master Roshi's final stand against Piccolo and Dragon Ball, like kind of moments like that. I feel just generally in Shonen series, like tend to be like real turning points for like the protagonist character arcs, because now that they've lost their like mentor or like, uh, they're like, okay, now I have to like take, uh, now it's up to me. It really is up to me now. I don't have like this means of support. But in, in my hero academia's case, like All Might is still around. He's still like, uh, there to support Midoriya, but like he can no longer be the hero he was, like, or act as a hero in any capacity. And there is a huge gap now that All Might is gone in the society, in like the society in, my Hero Academia, uh, there's this huge fallout, both in terms of on the side of the heroes and on the side of the villains, now that, like, this, the their most powerful figures are gone. And that's created a vacuum, and, like, who's gonna fill that vacuum is, like, a huge question that the series is exploring right now, and is really something that Midoriya has going to have to come and, like, take helm at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, See, I don't know. It's interesting because I actually, um, I was hooked into My Hero Academia. I mean, if if the first chapter wasn't enough, which I do agree, I I probably said it on the show before that the first chapter of My Hero Academia is probably the best first chapter of any manga I've ever read easily. That's just my opinion. Um, But, you know, if it weren't for that, I feel like another good hooking point for me personally was probably around the stuff that happened at USJ. Because for me, it was legitimately surprising to having these kids just go like, you know, in in class one day, you know, just doing whatever, learning, taking their classes. And then suddenly, oh, a bunch of villains show up. Like, I I thought that was a pretty good way to kind of shake things up a bit. I was like, I thought that was a pretty good surprise, especially like really early on like that happens as early as volume two like 20 chapters in or something if 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 even that like when i first read that i was really surprised at like how soon the villains appeared like i feel like that's the kind of thing that you would uh that you would kind of save for a, a little later maybe like maybe about a year into the series or something 
uh, or whatever. But um, yeah, I was I was really surprised at how early that kind of thing happened, and I thought a lot of really great moments came out of that. I think that was definitely a good arc to establish the main villains of the series, as well as, you know, flesh out the supporting cast a lot. Because in that, you know, arc, in that conflict, that is when we, you know, finally get to learn about pretty much most of the class in uh, 1A. Yeah. When before, like, we basically only knew, like, uh, Midoriya, Bakugo, Uraraka, and Ida, and uh, Sarah was around for comic relief, too, at that point. But, like, in this, and, like, in this, like, villain invasion conflict, that's when we get to see, show off everyone in 1A. We get to learn who they are, what their quirk is about, how they interact with each other, and that sets the stage for, like, exploring them further, like, uh, in the sports festival and down the line. For me personally, I think the moment that really sold the series for me, really, def- I mean, I was a fan of it from like the first chapter. I thought, I thought it was like really start, it started off strong and I was enjoying reading it as it was going along. But I think the moment that defined the series to me and that like I- I've made, it truly made me feel like the series can be something special if it isn't already is like the climax of the sports festival and uh the like especially the introduction of Todoroki and the way his character arc is developed within that arc and how it how it ends in the climax between Todoroki and Bakugo in that arc I, I just thought that was a that was a fantastically done se- a series of events and characterization, and I think that was really pushing the series forward. And then what took it to another level for me was after that, during the uh, internship arc, which introduced Stain and gave this great like conflict for Ida, and this great like and Stain is like this great. A contrast to both the villains and heroes because he's killing heroes because he thinks that that is justice because there are a lot of false heroes or a lot of heroes are only in it for profit or glory and he thinks that that is a detriment to society so he thinks he's doing a good thing i mean he's clearly like unhinged he's not like mentally sound but like just that sentiment is a very interesting perspective and it made him a great contrast with the other villains and the other heroes and it also like contrasting well with like Ida going like far like to pursue Stain on his own like wanting to bring him in on his own like very recklessly because of his brother being harmed and that also ultimately ended up involving Todoroki in another nice great payoff to like his character exploration in the previous arc and it was just all this culmination of so many things that like felt like so like it that felt like it really culminated in such a great moment. And I think that chapter fifty-four, which is when uh Midoriya and Ida like when Ida kinda gets his act together and him and Midoriya manage to defeat Stain, I think that chapter is to me still my favorite chapter of my hero academia, because that was like a real that kind of payoff, I don't think, even with the all my versus all for one encounter, I don't think I felt like it hasn't really felt as cathartic. There hasn't been a moment that has felt as cathartic as, like, as, like, powerful to me as, like, that moment where they, when that, all these things come together. I think another factor, though, is that at this point, like, during that, 
that entire portion of the sports festival and the initial arc, I was at, you know, reviewing the series weekly because I was doing my weekly Shonen Jump like reviews back then. So seeing that evolution and seeing how the story progressed week to week and like writing about it was probably another factor in like how it like shaped my thoughts and like how I felt so invested in the moment like back then. And it also helped that, you know, Stain as a character was just this great contrast to Garo in One Punch Man 2. And the similarities between those two characters are just so fascinating that I kind of want to talk about one day, you know. But, like, yeah, I, I think, like, there was just... That was probably the time uh, in reading my academia that I was, like, most invested and, like, most emotionally engaged in it. But I think it's just continued to be great since then. I could, prob- I could probably point to that one as a good moment, too. I think Stain... Stain a very it's a very interesting villain given that um he is he is the hero of his own story which is usually mm-hmm. how you it's how some of the better villains are actually written um and also the fact that he just did not uh, like he did not interact well with the other villains as well <laughs> I think that's also great it's like no I'm not doing it for you guys' sake forget that I have my own <laughs> motivations I think that that's I, I I appreciated that like you guys it's like we're baddies you're a baddie I'm a baddie we can all be baddies together. Um, is is something that they made sure not to at least delve into. Um, So I was happy for that as well. Yeah, I mean, I really appreciated Stain because he didn't see himself as a villain, but he was also self-aware enough to know he wasn't a hero. But he he thought that what he was doing, that killing off these false heroes, was for the greater good of society and the virtues of heroism as a whole. So he was a really fascinating character in that mindset and ideology. He's still around, so who knows? Yeah, it's it's also interesting. What I love about Stain is uh, the the implications that he sort of has on the society of My Hero Academia, because he becomes a really big topic of discussion for the world of My Hero Academia for a long time, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. He inspires copycats. There's like literally this one guy in the League of Villains who dresses exactly like Stain and is explicitly inspired by Stain. Like he inadvertently sparked a increase in villain activity because that's when multiple you know uh, recruits came to the uh, league of villains like you could even say he sort of he sort of became a martyr in a way yeah which was really interesting um but i mean as long as we're talking about like really cathartic moments um which i've talked about on manga mavericks before at the end at the beginning of the year end of the year i don't remember um (laughs) um chapter 76 is probably still my favorite chapter of my hero academia which is where um uh, midoriya is um basically defending coda against uh muscle guy i don't remember his name but he had a really he had a really gross looking quirk where he could just manipulate his muscles and it was really gross to look at um that was that was a really like i think that's probably the highest emotion i ever felt reading the series because you, you just see you just see Midoriya constantly using his powers against this guy, and like he's clearly in pain and is crying, but he still he still puts in his all and does his job as a hero. And I thought it was honestly pretty inspirational, and I thought it led to. While I'm I'm sure maybe maybe Doc has probably an opposite opinion. I'm I don't know, Doc did did you did you kind of roll your eyes at the end of that chapter where it's like, oh, he's my hero. And uh, credits. <laughs> yeah, I think the the, the the credits rolled right there for me. Um, no, I thought that was like, okay, I think um, they earned that moment. 
I think to say that um, for everything to come down to it, him using thirty thousand percent of his power, however much it was, it was a good, it was a dumb amount. Um, it, it, it was like okay, kid, you're gonna die, but all right, at least you, you got a good moment to you you come off looking like a hero, and I think that's really what mattered at the end. Yeah, because you know I I saw you on Twitter for a little bit. You know, you, you constantly like posted moments where where everybody's like, oh, if this were a comic book, this would be like this. And I, I could tell those were those those little moments were kind of getting on your nerves a little bit. That's just bad writing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> don't don't acknowledge the fact that the, you're a comic book. That's really silly. I think it makes sense since most of the most of the time it's from Midoriya's perspective and he is this huge superhero and comic nerd. Yeah. yeah. So like it makes sense that he's thinking in that mindset. I can definitely understand it uh getting tiresome when you're seeing it again and again, but I feel like the series uses it sparingly, so it's not really oh, yeah. it's a thing that's I- an issue if you're reading it week to week, I think. It definitely could be worse. Oh yeah, I think uh, at least over uh, as I was reading it, I don't think I've ever noticed it or it hasn't been brought up. Or I would have mentioned it, but uh, no, yeah, they've, it's 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 very rare they do it now. So it's just like a yeah, yeah. They they do that time to time in the beginning, but yeah, I can't remember them doing it too recently. But yeah, as you know, as as long as Midoriya doesn't like wink at the camera, you know, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine with that. Uh, yeah, no, th- those are some really good moments. Looking through the rest of the cast, uh, can we just confirm that Suyu is best girl? Yeah, that that that, se- that seems to be like the the general consensus. Which I understand. I like Suyu too. She's she's a fun character, and she has a great design as well. Um, I almost feel like maybe she's a she maybe maybe she's a bit underused, but I think she's used enough. But that's just me. I think she could definitely be used more considering how popular a character she is. But we're kind of getting that now since she's going to be involved in this new investigation thing. So yeah, that's pretty good. I she's she has a great character design. I definitely enjoy, I definitely have enjoy her though. I'm not like I don't think she's best girl so to speak. Uh, I guess I guess in terms of a character design that I like a lot, but I'm not but like the character themselves haven't really done a lot is uh what's her name? Ashido? The pink girl like the pink oh, her, girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one with the acid powers. Yeah, the acid powers girl. Like she has a really cool character design too, but she just hasn't done a whole lot in the story. So I'm kinda hoping maybe she can do something in an arc later in a, later on. That would be nice. I like Takayama, the the bird dude. Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, yeah uh, Tokuyami. He's pretty. Yeah. He's pretty great yeah. too. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. I like his power too. It's it's sort of it's sort of cool, like how and how he how they use it during the um during the what you call the the cavalry battle. It was like really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking best girl, I'm I'm sorry, my heart belongs to Uraraka. I think she's a. <laughs> Like, but I, Colton Uraraka <laughs> is the worst. She ran number one on Goose Paul, the worst Shonen Jump heroines. Don't you remember? Kagura was also number three, I believe, on that list. So what do they know? They don't know anything. Yeah, they don't. I think she was number five. I think Misa she she was, was in the top two. ten. I remember that. Yeah. She was pretty high up. But yeah, I don't know. Uraraka, I'm I'm really impressed with because. She's she's not just a cute face, you know, she's actually like she's actually an enjoyable, funny character. 
Um, and, and she has great moments where I, I like actually at the time of this recording, you know, season two just aired. And, um, one of my favorite moments is, um, is when she gets, um, she gets hyped up for the sports festival and everything. And, uh, that was a nice little change of character there. That was a good moment. And then, you know, when they start asking her like, Oh, you know, why, why do you want to be a hero? I just want to make money. I, I thought I thought there was some really good misdirection there. Yeah. But then but then obviously you find out like right after that, you know, she just she you know, she she's a good girl, you know, she just she just wants to, you know, take care of her parents and help out or whatever and I like I find that very relatable and admirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very it's a very likable trait. I like Uraka a lot. She has a lot of personality. Again, great character design too. Really good, pa- cool powers that she's used well, especially like in her fight with Bakugo. I thought that was a really good moment for her. I'm constantly concerned about her character just being reduced to like a love interest oh. for Midoriya. Yeah. Like that's something that I've been, that constantly concerns me whenever like uh it gets focused on but you know she has her own agency i think in the story and her own things she's working towards her own goals so you know i'm I'm happy that she's involved in uh what's happening in the story right now so i'm hoping that you know she just uh just doesn't get reduced to a love interest and removed of her agency kind of like sakura was in uh, the latter half of naruto well i want to i want to i want to just um i want to talk about that a little bit actually now that you bring it up because i i understand the concern and it just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how My Hero Academia in some ways just feels like um, Naruto, if it were written a little smarter. Personally, I feel like it's not too likely because I was just kind of, you know, I was kind of skimming through the manga a bit to kind of refresh my memory uh, for the show today. And, you know, there is that whole moment where, like, you know, when they're learning their special moves, Midoriya runs into um, Inventor Girl. I think raise her name Hatsume something like that. I like her. Um, yeah, she's she's cool. I I, I kind of want to see a little bit more of her because I think she could be really fun. But uh, but yeah, I there is that moment where like they run into each other and you know I can see the concern in like a love triangle coming out of that and like even even when I was rereading bits of the sports festival, I noticed Uraraka like looking at Hatsume with like some slight contempt, like mm, better stay away from my man. Um, <laughs> But I really like that moment in the um in the licensing exam where, you know, Uraraka, you know, she you could tell um to some extent that she is a little distracted by it and just distracted by Midoriya to an extent, but you know, she you know, she she knocks some sense into herself and reminds herself that, hey, I I got my own thing going on, I gotta focus on this thing, I can worry about that later. And I feel like in other shonen manga, I mean romance in shonen manga is uh uh, usually pretty frustrating. I think we could all agree, and just sort of a waste of time to get invested invested in. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the shippers out there feel differently, but but you know, like I I feel like that moment in particular, again, very small moments, but I feel like really speak volumes uh, about the character in particular. And I thought was you know if I didn't already like Uraraka enough, like I thought that was a moment where I really respected her as a character. That she doesn't, she's not going to let whatever feelings she has for Midoriya get in the way of what she wants to accomplish. And I feel like I feel like you don't see that in other shonen manga too much. That was a very reassuring moment, and I'm just hoping that it sticks. So. I'm hoping, I'm hoping so too. Um, but yeah, that 
that's definitely like in my top five, like my hero academia moments. If I were to make a top five, um, you know, everybody has to have a top five, the top five, <laughs> like comment, subscribe to Colton's video. What <laughs> one, one like equals one pray guys. Um, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, uh, I mean, Uddaka is great. Honestly, if it weren't for Uddaka, my favorite female character would probably be the Invisible Girl for like just for <laughs> uh, for for you know for obvious reasons because you know I think she she, she makes for hot. great. Yes, <laughs> I I remember like going through my volumes and seeing her character profile and thinking, wow, Horikoshi is like my favorite human being in the entire world. I, I really can't get enough of his sense of humor. It's really great because um, you just you just have her character profile uh, with like nothing there, and then just written up top, fully nude. Like here you go, here you go. This th- for all you doujinshi creators out there. Um, so great. So it's 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 moments like that that really remind me why I love my hero academia. Honestly, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, she. I think she's a great comedic character. And I mean, it's not like I'm not interested in what she looks like. I I feel like I feel like we have to get that at some point. We have to get some kind of dumb reveal. And that that is the last chapter of the manga. That has to be the last <laughs> chapter of the manga. Just just like just you just have an epilogue, and she just a- accidentally turns off her invisible in, invisibility. Like, oh, whoops! Well, that's never gonna happen again. There you go. You know, yeah, she's great. Um, I I really appreciate Ida too. I think. Uh, we were kind of talking about it earlier. He has some great. He, he has a great character arc going on with uh, with his fight during Stain, and I I don't like when I was um for, when I was first reading that part of the story. Like I almost thought like Ida had the sort of had the potential to maybe become a bad guy. I was mm. actually wondering if that's where it was going to go, and you know if if it went that direction. I wouldn't have minded because I feel like it would have made sense, but I'm I'm also kind of glad he didn't end up becoming a villain. Yeah, I'm glad that his friends kind of sort of knocked some sense into him a little bit. I think it's kind of interesting how like a lot of those moments they telegraph it and they kind of make sure you lean a certain way. I think that even when I thought about that too, I was like, reading was like, oh, this guy's gonna turn. Okay, cool. And, and like it's it's uh, they do a good job at like misdirecting you in moments where it's necessary for the plot. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah, that Ida he's fun. Uh, Todoroki, uh, man, like he is like the most shonen protagonist I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and for most of everything, I mean, I think like everything leading up to it is just like. Let me let me guess. He's gonna. He has a problem with his dad. It's gonna be his dad. Yeah, it's his dad. <laughs> okay. If uh, anything, I if anything, I feel like Todoroki is kind of more of a Sasuke archetype than say Bakugo. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that there. If there was a moment where something turned a different way and his mother became a villain, then he'll turn to that side or something stupid like that. They could have, but luckily they didn't. But if anything, he's cool. He's he's getting there now, and he's also learning how. Uh, the problems that he did early on because he was so fixated on not being his dad and how that came to bite him and uh, bite him later uh, with um, Air Dude, I forget his name. Um, it was nice. It was nice. At least uh, that entire fight, the ending of the the exam as well with um, Bakugo not getting his win, um, his win proper, I should say, was kind of nice. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. 
I I, th- I think overall the cast is really solid, though. Yeah, that's probably the strongest part of the, the series is having a good, fun, diverse cast. Of, even though there, there, I always forget who's the, uh, there is a guy I always mix up Bakugo with every time I see him on the sc- on the page. Um, uh, the, his friend, right? The, the hardening dude, yeah. Kaminari. Yeah, I think so because it's I think it's the hair. Like every time, like if it's at a certain angle, I I always confuse him with Bakugo for some dumb reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other, that, that's fair. They both have spiky hair. But other than that, I think you know everything. Everyone's as as diverse as you can possibly get. So everyone look. Everyone has a look, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think I think a lot of the design of of uh, of Class A are all really varied, and I, I guess aside from. I think his name's Kirishima, actually. Aside yes. from him and Bakugo, you know, yeah, I, I think all their character designs are nicely varied. Like, m- m- most of the time, I, I personally, I don't really have a problem telling who from who because, uh, for, to me, they're so wildly different from each other. I guess, um, oh, here, here's here's a good one. Uh, what, what do we all think of Mineta? He's kind of got an old. He has this one joke. He's a pervert, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. kind of he's kind of like when he ever appears, you know. He used to be charming, but now whenever he appears, like, ah, oh, you, you pervert, useless little the guy, just go away. See, it makes me sad because like there are some moments where I think, oh, maybe he could actually have an interesting character arc, but then he just kind of turns into a joke. Yeah, he had this one moment in the uh, end of turn exam, like where that had you know where he you know pulled through and passed and whatever, and that was like a good moment for him. But like now he's just back to just being this comic relief shtick, and it's like uh, he's it's it's gotten he's gotten too perverted, like to the point of uh, being uncomfortable and unpleasant. See, it's weird because, like, I totally understand that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm I promise I'm not going to sit here and like defend the character because I'm in no way defending Mineta, but like, I guess he he doesn't bother me as much because like he always gets his comeuppance, like he's always punished for it. Mm-hmm. So like I like I guess I don't really have a problem with him because you know he never really gets away with his you know with his behavior. Like n- none of the characters actually put up with it, which is good. I mean that's good, but also you could not do it. <laughs> yeah, that that would that would also be better. Yeah, that's a problem. Or be more charming, <laughs> charming about it. Like you know, Brooke kind of asking Nami politely to see her, her panties. That's kind of a nice dichotomy. Like he's asking her so politely to do this perverted thing. Let, let's let's have sexual harassment be a lot more comical. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's... Or be a little more classy. <laughs> be a little more classy with your sexual harassment, please. Yeah, guys, come on. What, what are, what, we could do so much better. If you put, if you put a top, top hat on top of his grape head, then everything will turn out fine. Give him a monocle yeah. and a Give cane, him. too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It works now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. He could just not do it, but yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to, like, like at first... Like, at first, uh, you know, I would talk to people who were like, yeah, like, you know, and fuck this guy. Like, he's, he's just, I hate him and everything. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. At first, I, I, I almost thought it wasn't warranted. But the more I read and the more time we spend with him, the more I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm getting kind of tired of it, too. I don't I don't mind if he's not as around as much. I've hit the point where I kind of just ignore whatever he's saying at this point. So I just kind of, like, skip over the, the panel. 
I found it hilarious that he dropped so dramatically in the latest popularity poll. I think like even Japanese fans are kind of sick of him at this point. But there's so many other better characters now, so it's sort of just like, eh. Oh, yeah. True, but he still has such a massive drop. Like, I, I, could, I could totally see, you know, like, like me personally, like, I, I love almost every other character way more than him, in particular. Because, yeah. you know, all the other characters are a lot more interesting and just a lot better in general. Yeah. Though I, I, I do like that one moment where he tries to look through, uh, look through the peephole, and, um, and the uh, earplug chick uh, pokes him in the eye. That was really great. <laughs> that was the best one. <laughs> uh, best one. I guess. What do we think about the villains? We haven't really talked about them as much, aside from Stain. I like how Shigaraki's developing. Like, uh, I guess I can use the term because it got jogged back into my memory because I watched the first episode of season two yesterday, but, you know, he is kind of like this man-child. He's pretty petulant. He clearly has some, like, father issues or and, like, some, like, things troubling him that's kind of made him, like, a little unstable. Uh, and obviously his hand obsession. I'm curious to see what's the root of that, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a... He's, like an interesting creepy dude that you know we kind of see some more sides of him both vulnerable and both like into kind of his mental frame of mind and kind of like the stock that all for one puts in him like that's also kind of interesting so i'm kind of so i'm interested in like in seeing like how he grows kind of into becoming like the new all for one in a sense now that all for one himself is kind of out of the picture at least temporarily I kind of want him. I want um, Horikoshi just to make a horror manga. Like, like he he can yeah. really, he knows he can really do like body horror grotesqueness very well, and that's really just like the art of, in general. Like that's just like like it's blanket statement. The art's great in the series. Like it uh, in so many different aspects. But um, yeah, like I think he is a great design. Like it, just looking at him. I think, yeah, that, that's something I really like about My Hero Academia in general is just, I, I love Horikoshi's style. Like, it's, it's so, it's so unique. Like, I've, I've never seen other manga that look like his works. Um, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, even before My Hero Academia, I was, I was into his other works, such as like Omagadoki Zoo and, um, and even Barrage. Even though Barrage didn't end up being very good in the, in the end, I, I still enjoyed looking at his art. And uh, and yeah, this is one of those times where it's like I, I was already really into Horikoshi and really kind of like always looking forward to his other works. Um, you know, when My Hero Academia start, first became a thing, um, so there was no there was no way I wasn't already going to read it from the beginning. Um, but yeah, I I like Shigaraki. Kind of reminds me of um, he's kind of like the Blackbeard almost of My Hero Academia, where he's obviously a threat. But he's like, like you said, Doc. He's also he has his vul- vulnerabilities, uh, which I which I find I kind of interesting if, about him. I'm not sure I can. I feel like the, that comparison works. I, it's uh, yeah, because Blackbeard is like this whole other kind of like he. It's on like a whole other scale. Like he Blackbeard isn't like invulnerable, but he's also but like 
there's like this, the what's uh, unique about Blackbeard as a villain is that he has this stark difference in, uh, you know, how he goes about like the same philosophy that he shares with Luffy. And, you know, they're very similar characters, but Blackbeard goes about it in this like very, uh, destructive self even more selfish and uh, damaging way for other to other words other people uh and also blackbeard is just like it's just like i i feel like uh the comparisons between there are comparisons to make between me doria and shigaraki but i don't feel like the character arc shigaraki shigaraki is going through right now is very similar to blackbeard's because blackbeard has kind of always been this dangerous force and a threat within the world of uh one piece like he's the one who gave shanks the scars across his cheek and whatever That's so fair. like blackbeard has always been like this bad deal he's just been kind of covert all this time, whereas Shigaraki is kind of working his way up. He's trying to command respect and trying to become the next all for one, the next like big threatening villain. And he's has a lot of work to do in that regards. Whereas Blackbeard, he kind of like already had a plan and like the power and the confidence is just, a, it was just a matter of enacting his plan, but he kind of had a sure plan of like how to go about that. Whereas Shigaraki is still figuring things out. Yeah. yeah there, that makes there, sense. There hasn't been, there hasn't been a moment where I felt Shigaraki was a threat in the sense of like, he commands people. He he sends these the the Nomu out into the world, and now he has this like sort of like hit squad. But he never felt like a threat, not like the way All for One was. I think that right, and because he's still in this, not really sure what he wants to do. He's trying his best to become the supervillain that his uh, that All for One is grooming him into be. But he's sort of not there yet, and there hasn't been like a. I mean, the the moment I think was which was cool when he he did um, grab Midoriya was like that one moment, like you know, like kid, just just lower the finger one down, and all of your troubles will be done. <laughs> Please do it. But no, you know, you have to be you had to monologue. Go right ahead. Um, uh, but it's uh, I think that right now it's still he's still working, and I think it's like he is. I think that if they do this correctly, he's going to be working. He's going to be growing in the same place as Midori is, in the sense of like as Midori becomes a better hero, Shigaraki will eventually become a better villain, and at least a little bit more. Hopefully, he becomes a little bit more heinous in the sense of like his his willingness to um, kill a lot more people if if need be. Obviously, he just wants to kill All Might for his reasons. Um, but it, I, I wonder if like I, I think that will be the the, the moment. When it all calls together, if he actually does, if he if he is the one that actually ends up killing All Might in the very end, or somewhere in the middle, somewhere <laughs> wherever that happens, but um, yeah, it's I, I I think that's when it everything will kind of become like okay, he's the guy, he's the one that we should be afraid of. Right now, he's sort of just he's kind of just taking a shotgun approach as a more like a, instead of a more of a, like a surgeon knife approach. Yeah, no one really respects Shigaraki right now, which is why, like, the Yakuza group is kind of walking all over him in the League of Villains, because the Yakuza group, like, is in a position of power, and, like, they know what they're doing, and Shigaraki still has no idea what he's doing or how to use his resources or, like, how to 
go about and rise up on his own in the network of organized crime and villainy. So Shigaraki is still working things out. He's still figuring out how he needs to rise to power. Which, uh, you know, there are other, some, there are some like similar characters in other series, but I think it's, that's what makes Shigaraki rather unique within, uh, the context of My Hero Academia. It, it also says a lot to when, um, cause I think in that chapter in particular, um, they, they make a point about pointing out how, um, how much the Yakuza have dwindled essentially since the existence of, uh, superheroes came to be about. And so I, I, I find it kind of funny how, like, you know, the Yakuza with as little as they're working with are still in a better position than Shigaraki and his League of Villains are. Yeah, that's because kind of they, yeah, they have the, they have a more organized structure. They like they know what they want, what they're after, what they want to be doing. Where Shigaraki is just like throwing stuff at the wind, basically. Like yeah, for just, all just this time, he's basically been told what to do by All for One, and now he doesn't have All for One to like, uh, guide, to like tell him what he needs to be doing. So now he's just like figuring it out, and he still hasn't got it down yet. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing where he goes because it's honestly pretty hard to tell at this point. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I and that's what I like about it. Uh, so I guess um. Unless there was anything else you guys wanted to point out in particular, I was, I'm, I'm just kind of interested in asking Doc. Um, so, I guess, um, you know, you said at the beginning you were kind of mixed uh, with My Hero Academia overall. Um, do you think? Um, I'm only asking because I think um, at the end of like our previous discussion when we were discussing Black Clover, you know, I I had kind of come to the realization that like you know this is pretty shonen, but I sort of respected for it. So okay, like. You know, I, I kind of had a similar kind of, um, I guess, journey going through that series where I'm like, you know, man, I really don't like this. It could be a lot better. But then the more I read it, I'm like, OK, it's not really that bad. It, it has its moments. And I'm even kind of like, OK, maybe I'll even read it weekly or something. Uh, do you do you think you're at that point with My Hero Academia? Like, do you like it enough to where you want to read it weekly? Or is this going to be like a thing where you're like, I'll come back to this every once in a while? Um, I think this is one of those comic book things where I will trade weight. Um, this, I think now here, like I mentioned, I think the all for one all might fight was really the, the, the turning point for me where it's just like, okay, now, now this is becoming that superhero show. I was expecting it to be early on because I think that that's a thing. Like when it comes to a lot of these superhero things, it's like, if there is an origin story and then there's an ending, but there's never going to be an ending. That's the point of those superhero so- stories. It like everything you're going to be seeing is basically like middle stories, like just the stuff you're going to be seeing in between. And like we're finally in this middle story where we could see Midoriya becoming the hero that he can eventually be, and hopefully eventually down the line they'll be like, here's him in his glory days. Um, but that's like probably way later. Um, uh, but I, I think I'm cool with it. I'm still, I'm cool after, I don't feel like this is a series that, um, I need to read week to week. I, and to be fair, even despite me being subscribed to Shonen Jump, I don't read stuff week to week anymore. Um, I, that's fair. So I at least have it there. It's, it's convenient for cases like this where it's like, oh, I should really read all of My Hero Academia. Luckily, I have the last three years of Shonen Jump with me. <laughs> uh, so I can just read through that. Um, but it's, uh, I think like having a series like this out there is good 
Uh, I think this. I'm glad this exists. Um, the anime. I mean, I'm. If you weren't aware, I'm more of an anime guy, despite you know being I'm on here. I, I uh, having them adapt this as slowly as they possibly can probably might benefit them in the long run. I think that like they've they've managed to adapt this probably as well as they possibly could, including things even making it a little bit more brighter and colorful in Sakuga and all that crap. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's but as the series as a whole, as the manga itself, I mean, the art is fantastic. It's still great to look at. The The story now has bec- is starting to become – it's starting really to get uh, serious, um, at least in, in, my, in, my, in my perspective, at least from what I see. Uh, it, it's starting to become a little bit more interesting. So I could see coming back to this uh, every time a new volume is out. It will take a little while because it's probably <laughs> um, going to be delayed somewhat given the, the way Viz releases these volumes. But – uh, doesn't mean I can't like. Hey, if something if I see people yelling about something happening, I will I will I will catch up. But until then, <laughs> uh, I will I'll try to pace myself. Now, I, uh, having read through all of this within the last three days is not necessarily the best way to do it. But at least I at least I came off um, enjoying it a lot more by the, by the end of it. That's good. Yeah, because originally, like when I was talking to Doctor about coming on the show to record about My Hero Academia, I. I, I could kind of tell, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Doc, you, you sort of had some reservations going in because I know you had a few criticisms about, you know, the transition from the first chapter into the rest of the series or whatnot, and you weren't really so sure about the series going forward um, at the beginning. So I told you, hey, at, at least at least read up to this, which... You know, I at least wanted you to read up to the end of the sports festival arc. At, le- at least, at least get into something that is currently being animated, something that is you know s- somewhat relevant. Yeah, um, yeah I think but- the, when I when I first, I think when Col- Colton approached me the first time, I had them having the first season. I think either start or about to start or whatever. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll read up until like the first season's worth of the show. I think that will be enough. And they realized, oh, it's only volume two. Damn. All right, um, <laughs> it's like it's like two and a half volumes two and a half or something volumes. like that. Yeah. Like, like I, I guess I have to keep reading, um, <laughs> and, but I, I think in the end, I, it sort of, I think they, they hinted enough, uh, even at the end of the sports festival, to be like, there might be something here, and then they got to it, and it's like, okay, there might be a little bit more here, and then I kept reading. So I think they, they did a good job at really catching me in those moments of like, oh, hopefully they get to something, and they do eventually. It takes a while. It takes a long. It takes a while for me, I should say. For some people, it might like uh, uh, it might be easier to get into or at least engage it a lot more uh, easier. Uh, but uh, either way, I think uh, overall, it's it's a fun fun manga. Uh, people should check it out, obviously, if they haven't already. Um, and if they have, if they want to watch the anime, they can and just not have to worry about buying two volumes. Um, uh, but but yeah, I, I think uh, and hopefully the new anime season. I think it's supposed to be longer than the first one. So um, yeah, twenty five episodes. Oh, there you go. So they're probably going to be most likely going to be that past the at least up to stain, at least if if all goes well. Um, yeah, yeah. Skimming through that, I I do kind of want to see that animated actually. Oh yeah, it'll look nice. It'll look nice. It, there there should there are good points where you can stop it for the anime's sake, but. Um, Anyway, we're, we're focused on the manga here uh, because that's the series. That's the that's show I'm on, the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, this but, isn't anime, Mavericks. What are you talking about? 
Yeah, we we have it. That podcast doesn't even exist yet. Uh-oh. It might one day though. Yet? Oh no. Yet? Uh oh. Oh no. What's all comic? <laughs> we have to make all TV dot com for that to work. I get. I don't know. Uh, we we all, all comic at one point. I mean, we're already doing movie Mavericks. So oh, yeah, that's Ooh. right. At at some point, all comic is just going to be renamed to all dot com. All dot com. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not taken. Um, <laughs> all dot com dot net. Um. Hey, or or hey, all for one, all maybe. For one. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! All for- <laughs> full uh, circle. Um, but my hero academia is good. Go read it. That's what we're trying to say. Yes, I think. Yes. I think having gone through the journey that I have gone to, I could by the end of it, I could say, "Hey, this could be fun. This might be fun for people." Enjoy it. If you, if this is your thing, go read it. Um, there's plenty of other superhero books out there. If you want to also check out, I could probably recommend a few. But yeah, this is a this is well worth the time if you want to read something weekly. Yeah, see, that was also something I I had talked to you about a couple days back. Where I'm just like, you know, it would be interesting to have you on, especially because, and I mean, I know Sid's read his fair share of um, superhero comics too, but I know that. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how much you read compared to each other, but I I know you read a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff, Doctor. And <laughs> I, I'm definitely the one out of the three who reads that stuff the least because I just <laughs> I look at all of these superhero comics and I'm just like, man, this just this just like looking at all of these different series and spinoffs of different series just tires me out looking at them, honestly. Like, where do I even start? Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, which, is, which is why I think I enjoy manga so much more. Even even with longer series, you know those are going to end at some point. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that's that's a giant maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really depends on the character. You know, one day I could see that Superman comic ending in about ah, two years or so. Um... <laughs> But I think it is sort of like uh, having, like I said, it's those comics are really about the middle stories, and it is that's it. We're gonna always get that. They might, they may have a couple endings. There are stuff like you know, Dark Knight Returns that you can consider that an ending to the Batman storyline, but that's not always the case. So, um, and that's just a ending too. So because they keep doing it, and they keep rebooting, and keep. Multiversiting it, <laughs> if need be. And keep destroying universes. Yeah, it happens yeah. all the time. But I mean, th- <laughs> but then again, there's other stuff. I mean, you can look at Valiant. They have their superhero stuff is pretty cool as well. Um, Image has their own superhero. Invincible is easily my favorite superhero book ever. And in mm. the turns that takes, honestly, I wouldn't mind if they took it into my hero academia. One that would be very bloody, but I would. <laughs> uh, I don't think it'd be good for children at this point. But still. Um, it's like it's a lot of ideas that I thought. Oh man, I wish they could do that somewhere else, or they they could adapt it into somewhere. Maybe if along the way, maybe another another book can do that, or maybe another or a manga could actually take some ideas from that and make it into their own. But you know, anyway, yeah, no, um, yeah, I think uh, being engaged and absorbed in so many different aspects of like, and that's just like comics, and like I haven't even talked about like Tokusatsu stuff, like Common uh, Writer. Super Sentai series Ultraman. Uh, like, there's a manga that I read, read called Ratman that is really good. Um, it's basically a common writer story 
uh, in the sense of like here is a guy a guy who accidentally becomes the superhero for an evil organization um it's, <laughs> it's it's very interesting and many ideas that i thought like i was hoping my hero academia could take uh, stuff from it but they never did but either way if you can find that it's on viz's app Ratman, go look it up it's only four volumes right now because tokyo pop had it before and you know what happened there um yeah, yeah. uh but yeah no it, it's stuff there's a lot of stuff I, I i've i've engaged in and that's why i was hoping you know my hero academia can really live up to that i i i have a very high standard unfortunately but i think what it ha- what it has become and what it really has been able to give me and give the people the audience uh, is a good sense of like here is a fun story for this kid and i want to see where this kid grows up to be and that's really the the goal of the series and the end of it like everyone can be a hero if you got the power in more ways than one. in more ways than one well everyone can be a hero if you have the heart of a hero yes that that too you know the the, the actual softness about it yeah but more importantly he has the power <laughs> uh, but you know, like it—that's it, the point of it. I think that's the the story, the moral, and the the message that gets across. They get it across very well, and it's it's one of those things. If you read if you read that first chapter of My Hero Academia, and if you don't understand that what it's trying to tell you, I do not think you should be reading manga in general, or at least shown in <laughs> series in general, because you miss the entire point of everything. Um, like I said, it is it is the best one shot that is still going. Uh, <laughs> please, people, check this out because holy crap, it's it's fun. It's it's managed to be really fun now. So can't wait to see. I can't wait to see where this goes. That's that's really good because I was totally expecting you to shit on it. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I can shit on certain parts of it. Yeah, that's not hard. Like, because like, I, I was because I was totally going to do that for um for Black Clover previously too, but. You know, like I said, I, I came around Stockholm on that. Set in. Yeah, yeah, Stockholm set in. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm, it's three in the morning, Colton. I'm I'm 120 chapters in. I don't know. What am I doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, I, boy. But I think, um, no, no, no. It, it's, uh, it has every, like, the, the love and appreciation, what it's doing, that people are get, giving it is really earned. I think that's really the... the, the I mean... I mean, if if you follow like Horikoshi on Twitter, you know, I I think it's pretty safe to say that he's also a fan of uh, of uh, Western comic books in general too, um, at least somewhat. Like the the dude has a Spider Man shrine. Like his Spider Man collection makes me really jealous. He has a lot of cool shit. Yeah, like honestly, Sp- Spider Man is a big deal over there in Japan. <laughs> he got a robot, and he had his own manga and TV show. Yeah, that's right. I I forgot about that. Um, Neil Pardon, let's go. Um, so Sid, I think um, I think now's as good as time as any to move on to our Q and A's because uh, people had some stuff to say. Yes. Now I forgot to mention that we were doing the show on Reddit, so we didn't get uh, any emails or uh, Reddit questions. We probably will get some later uh, in the month when I uh, when we're doing the manga fight, but. For now, uh, we got some comments from Twitter, and uh, my friend on Sparky Spirit Anime from Revelation got a ton of questions for us. So this will probably take over half an hour to go through anyway. <laughs> oh, thank so first up, you- so so may I, I? I have Twitter open if I can read some of those. Yeah, sure. All right. So our first uh, Twitter comment comes from uh, Buffalo Smash Seventy One. 
basically, I asked everybody on the Manga Mavericks Twitter, hey, what do you think of My Hero Academia? We'll, we'll read your thoughts on the show. And uh, Buffalo Smash says that My Hero Academia is a fantastic series and is the best thing in Jump right now. Common opinion. Mm, yeah. Yep. Sure. Personally, uh, the, the best thing in Jump is Gintama until it's over, but that is just me. <laughs> so you got a couple more months. A, a couple more months, yeah. Time is ticking. Tick tock, tick tock. And actually, even then, like, I, lo- I like My Hero Academia a lot, but I actually think if Gintama didn't exist in Jump, and, you know, we're not counting One Piece because, you know, it- it's One Piece, like, everybody likes One Piece. Um, I would actually say I might enjoy Promised Neverland a little bit more at the moment. Yeah, that's, but that's, that, but that's yeah. also just me personally. That's secretly becoming a very interesting series. Yeah, I I definitely, I think we should do an episode on Promised Neverland at some point when when there's more of it out and there's more of it to discuss a little bit, maybe. I think that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, around the time of its first uh, year anniversary, like, I guess, would be a good mo- point. Maybe uh, early September. I think we have August pretty booked. But yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty good. Something like that. We'll, 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 we'll put it in our schedule. Um, and our next one comes from uh, Alexander Woodward, who says, uh, you know, I burnt out on superheroes maybe in 2012, but the way My Hero Academia does the whole concept reminds me of why superheroes are so fun. Yes, it's very optimistic about superheroes and really, like, embraces, like, what people love about superheroes. So I, I think that that kind of optimism and uh, enthusiasm for superheroes is a little refreshing since there's a lot of cynical media about superheroes now, uh, especially in a lot of Western uh, comics. I think uh, the childlike, childlike wonderment is something that's very rare. Um, that have not really uh, been embraced enough in American comics as of late. I think Miss Marvel is probably one of those shining exceptions to that. It's easily probably one of the better comics. It's a new hero. It's a new kid. It's like someone kind of growing up to become a superhero eventually. And it's just like a little girl from a little little girl from New York, New Jersey. I should say. Sorry. Ooh, wrong. <laughs> wrong place. Uh, but yeah, um, it's it's. Uh, it's really nice. I think it's very sweet. So it's something. I think that's the closest as you can get to kind of having that sort of um, naivete, if you will, of just the the young, ambitious um, heart that is missing from a lot of series. Mm-hmm. So, and um, my hero academia has good spades. Our uh, next comment is from uh, Gun Sword Fist, who I'm. I think he's a part of the uh, Animation Revelation forum. Sid, if I'm remembering that yes. correctly. All right. Uh, who says uh, I'm rewatching the anime and I have been thinking that I have a hard time thinking of anything else that is that is this much heart, which mm-hmm. I think I can agree with. Um, and then we have a comment from our very own Maxi Bernard, who we've had on the show before, who says it's uh, one of the best modern jump series and shows up a lot of Western superhero comics with character depths. Which uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if uh, you guys can uh, weigh in on that. A- well, Maxie's very well read in um, superhero comics and in the, especially modern stuff. So, um, I mean, he, I, I guess I'll take his word for it. But uh, I do think there's a lot of – there's probably a lot of good stuff out right now that isn't uh, Marvel and DC from like the other publishers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there are a few. I, I, can, I can probably point to a few of some friends of mine who also – do um, reviews and blogs and podcasts about um, uh, several different Western comics is, uh, you know, he probably knows a lot more than me, but um, 
Yeah, and we we do chat every once in a while, and he tells me, "Oh yeah, you should check out this other thing." It's kind of like Wolverine, but he's not. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, there there's some stuff out there's some stuff out there. I think that's the thing. Like, fortunately, Marvel DC kind of have a tight grip over the majority of uh, people's uh, exposure to to superhero comics in general, and so I think a lot of people might might misconstrue like the. The, the expectations or like what what you should what you only see in comic in superhero comics well there are a few other places that do actually delve into something a little bit different um so hey mm. yeah um next we have a few comments from uh, our very own allison at meoth 900 um she first starts off by saying that uh she thought that my hero academia was really good it's all the goodness of underdogs and sports anime combined with the kooky powers of comic book superheroes um kooky yes uh she also says that uh, she likes the manga more because it's not as slow as the anime which i'm i kind of agree um but uh, she also comments on how she likes hearing uh, Daiki Yam- Yamishita and uh, Justin Briner's uh, performances as Deku. Uh, so both the uh, Japanese and English uh, from Funimation. And uh, she says she prefers All Might in the English dub because he's voiced by Alex Luis Armstrong, one of the manliest men in my favorite anime, Full Metal Alchemist. Is that 140 characters? Like, <laughs> No, those are three separate tweets. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, we actually got uh, three more tweets from uh, from Jeff, who um, I, I forget exactly. He's a mobile developer for Viz. Yes, yes. Uh, we should have him on the show at some point. Yeah. Because I, I, I think he listens to us, actually. Um, Jeff, if you're listening, we want you on the show. Yeah, you we'll should come on. We'll contact you. Yeah, well, our people will get in contact with your people. We'll actually, do lunch. if you want to, you can be a contender in the manga fight for My Hero Academia. Yeah, there you go. Who's doing that? If you're interested and you're listening to this, like, get in touch with us, or we'll get in touch with you, whichever comes first. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. (laughs) All right. So, um, you know, Jeff says that uh, My Hero Academia has uh, great character designs and art style, interesting powers, uh, very well executed on a micro level, but two years in, and he's kind of still waiting for something big slash impactful to happen on a macro level. Hey! (laughs) <laughs> and definitely one of the most interesting combinations of protagonist and goal, parentheses, where the goal itself is to become charismatic slash inspirational. Uh, uh, we we might have a similar idea <laughs> as far as that. I think that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, not to say that it's I'm not enjoying it. I think, like you've mentioned, like it, in a micro level, fun characters, enjoyable, art's great, all that stuff. But like the overall, where is it going kind of thing is the... like. It, it, we, I'm like I'm waiting for it. Like I think having the like I mentioned that fight between All for One and All Might was sort of like the the start of something bigger, and I'm waiting for that bigger thing to happen. Um, well, See, I'm a, yeah. I, I can actually as as much as I think like the the overall like uh, scope of My Hero Academia, like how how everything kind of affects the society in terms of like how everybody views superheroes. Uh, in general, I feel like has been sort of um, has been sort of built up since since the attack from uh, USJ, and I feel like that's all very important. But I also I also do kind of agree with you and Jeff that yeah that uh, yeah we're still I mean aside from All Might versus uh, uh, All for One yeah uh, that uh, yeah 
the pot is boiling and eventually it'll spill over. Yeah. But it's yeah. still like, it's still bubbling right now. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see people like really want to see, okay, when is the big thing going to happen? Because I mean, if you compare with like other big long running shonen, uh, at this point, comparatively, a hundred chapters in, Bleach and Arto were in the middle of big, like, series-defining arcs that, uh, Soul Society and Treating Exams, respectively. Dragon Ball was in the King Piccolo arc, which was this big, like, game shift in tone. Uh, One Piece was, like, uh, starting on, like, the whole Baroque work saga. Uh, I guess at this point they would have been in Little Garden, but at, at this point, like, Arlong Park had happened already, and that was, like, that big, like defining moment for one, and piece. they're at the grand line at the at that point too. So yeah, so like people are still like, uh, okay, where is that? Like, where is the Arlong Park? Where is the uh, Soul Society? Where is the tuning exams of my hero? And they because and uh, they they don't feel that quite has happened yet. But I think we are going to get there. Uh, I think maybe uh, even before the end of the year. I feel with the way things have been progressing. And uh, that's about it for Twitter. So uh, thank you guys for uh, sending your, sending your tweets. I always appreciate uh, appreciate those. Yes. And so now we'll move on to answer some questions. My friend Spark of Spirit on Animation Revelation has uh, said to us, and uh, it's uh, like a dozen questions. So this will take a while, I think. Uh, uh, but oh, let's see. All right, all right I'm strapping. All right, two more hours of recording. Go. Do you think there is a traitor? If you do, who is it? I'm not sure who the traitor is. I I don't know. I can't really suspect anyone in the class in particular right now. I kind of want it to be Mineta for the lols and because I hate Mineta already. It probably <laughs> would be great. Hmm. Um I feel like they they've been they've been teasing it for a while as uh, I mean not teasing it. They've been saying for a while there is a there's a mole in the in in the organization or in general. I think they even implied that it could be a student too. So at this point, anyone's fair game. Maybe, maybe it could be um, the lightning guy. That'd be kind of fun. Kaminari, I don't know. There's, I don't see much evidence. Like that's been thrown out. But well, well, well see that that that's that's what makes it so great is that you know, like you know, nobody would suspect him because you know he's he's kind of a dummy, especially when he uses too much of his electricity. Like it's it's the perfect crime. <laughs> no, I mean, in that regard, I think Mineta would be even more of like a swerve. Like you wouldn't see that coming. Oh, you know who you wouldn't see coming? Invisible girl. <gasps> oh my oh, god, that that'd be perfect. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Oh my god, yes. I mean, the weirdest <laughs> dumb thing. I was like, oh, yeah, what she's never around when all this stuff happens. What if she was there the entire time when we never noticed? <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh, that'd be so clever. That would be um, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it could be anyone else. I, I feel it, best genist. I don't know. <laughs> uh, That's not, a stupid not best, name. Not I love best it. genist. That's a stupid name, but still, um, you know, I, I think that's uh, like I think that's I, I'm I'm happy that I don't know yet, and or they haven't hinted anything yet. So, uh, I, shoot, I, I wish I wish I could probably guess. Uh, I think I think we came up some, with some pretty good guesses, honestly. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. We can only speculate at this point, anyway. But I do hope it turns out to be Invisible Girl. That's That'd be pretty great. good. Second question: Is Dobby Todoroki's brother? 
Dobby is a member of the League of Villains, and uh, I guess that I guess like the speculation of that comes from this exchange when Bakugo is getting kidnapped and Todoroki like kind of fails to secure secure Bakugo and because uh, of interference from Dobby, and Dobby is like, "How sad for you, Todoroki." But that's really the only exchange they've ever had in the series. I don't know if that's really a good grounds to say, oh my god, uh, these two characters, they both have similar st- hairstyles. I was and, just thinking uh, the scars. same thing. Could they be brothers? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think so. They're in the same panel. Maybe they want to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's just wild speculation. I don't yeah, think yes, like yes, right here, Davi X uh, Bakugo uh, Dojins right here. Email us at <laughs> what's your email? I forgot. Uh, uh, Manga Mavericks at gmail dot com. There you guys. There you guys. Okay. Okay. So, uh, third question: What was Horikoshi getting at with the Nomu hint in Volume Seven? Uh, so in Volume Seven, Horikoshi showed a picture of Bakugo and Midoriya's childhood friends as a hint as to where the Nomus came from. I oh. guess I'd assume that the Nomus are, are might have been based on one of their one of Bakugo and Midoriya's childhood friends, or That's like the Nomus are harvested or like uh built around the quirks or DNA of like other. Uh, non-hero civilians or something. Uh, I'm not really sure. There's just not a whole lot to go on right now. Yeah, I, I would I would have assumed it's just like some random bystanders got genetically engineered to be this thing. So that's about it. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's going to be some like horrifying twist with the Nomu later on. I feel like that's probably a possibility as to where they come from. It's like it's Midoriya's father was that first Nomu. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's another thing too his father's never around but like we know he exists so i i kind of want to know what the deal is with that but i feel like that's either probably not going to be important whatsoever or that's going to somehow play a huge part in the story somehow maybe i don't know well that's the very next question where is Midoriya's dad <laughs> I, I don't just, know. I'm just happy parents exist uh, at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I think having the mother around is just like, a, oh, cool, great. Um, uh, I don't know. I think that they divorced because this stupid Probably. son didn't have a quirk. <laughs> Disappointed. That would be really and, dark and sad. Um, that would be really sad, actually. I think. I mean, that like, was it? This uh, is Todoroki. I mean, that's kind of his story already, so it's not like they'll probably rehash it. Um, well, his mom became, like, mentally messed up yeah. because of the because treatment of, the abuse of and, his yeah. father. Is like, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, I I feel like that's that's a weird dangling uh, fruit that hasn't been plucked yet. I, I would like to, I mean, and that could actually become something interesting and big if, if need be. I Oh, oh, wait a minute, guys. Uh, hold on. You, you want to get a load of my crackpot theory here. So we know – the only thing we know about Midoriya's father is that we know he could breathe fire. That's his quirk. So yeah. what if Endeavor is Midoriya's father? That's a oh bit Oh, my much. God. <laughs> well, I don't think so because in the – in like the first chapter, like – Midoriya's mom specifically says that her husband uh, can breed fire. So that would imply that they are married and that they were currently married at that moment uh, when Midoriya was like a little kid. 
So there wouldn't be like a time frame um, for like Endeavor to be both married to Todoroki's mom and Midoriya's mom. Granted, I'm also joking because I don't think that's actually going to (laughs) happen. I know, but I'm just saying the timelines don't match up. So, Uh, yeah, I don't know where Midoriya's dad is, but I do think he might become important later on. I hope that's acknowledged because that is is a weird thing to just kind of leave out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, he wouldn't have left it out, and they wouldn't have had acknowledges. They would have said he's been dead a long time ago. They, like the fact that the that the mom mentioned it, or at least in passing, that like he was mentioned in passing means he's still around somewhere. But um, where he's at, I don't know. But but you know what? It also doesn't matter because I'm sure most of the fandom considers All Might Midoriya's dad in the first place. So there you <laughs> he go. Basically, is a surrogate father to him. Yeah, so, pretty much is. Yeah. I think I think that's I think that it will come to a head when his actual dad shows up or something. We will see. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad that like I'm pretty sure we can expect My Hero Academia to not pull any like stupid BS like Oh All Might was the father all along or something. Or all for like one that. was the father all along. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. All right. So moving on, uh, who do you think is going to be the one to kill All Might? I'm not sure yet. I don't think it'll actually be All for One though. No, because I think that's yeah. too obvious. I think that you know, especially with uh, Sir Night Eye postulating, predicting that All Might will be killed by a villain, not a specific like villain. That it might even be someone who we haven't been introduced yet who will kill All Might ultimately. So I think hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You think maybe if one of the students ends up being a mole, that maybe they'll maybe that maybe I, I could see a student maybe killing All Might, possibly. Perhaps I could see a student being the one that allows him to get killed. I, I think I'm, I mean I mentioned earlier about Shigaraki probably uh, being the one that actually kills All Might uh, All Might at the very middle or whatever. But I would like it to be because of the student, like a, stu- a student betrayal. I think that's yeah. Like, it would be that that that's the thing that oh crap, I lost. All of, like it, it would be something so silly as like uh, one of the students that he never really paid attention to enough would be the one to be like oh you weren't paying attention to me enough so I betray you haha and and then Shigaraki like kills him there like I don't know. But then the only candidate might be Bakugo because like all my only really is paying attention to Midori and Bakugo. So I kind of don't want Bakugo's character to go in that direction, I guess, since I would be Sasuke all over again. Bakugo would, at this point, would be too easy. I feel like someone you would have never suspected. Uh, oh my god, Mirio! Holy, yeah, that would have been, that would be the perfect choice. Mirio! There you go. I actually don't know if Bakugo would be the one to do it, because I feel like, I feel like Bakugo looks up to All Might a little too much for that to be yeah, a thing exactly. that happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it could either be, I think it could be me, and Mirio might be a good candidate, actually, because he was the one that, you know, uh, was originally going to be considered to be All Might's successor, but, like... Yeah, I mean, we don't really, I mean, he seems to be, like, a really upstanding, like, pretty cool dude, but who knows if that could change or if he's, like, hiding something deeper. It could be interesting. Maybe. People already don't trust him because his face and smile can be creepy sometimes, so. (laughs) Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Let's see. 
Are there any heroes you feel have the potential to become villain? Oh, we basically answered this question. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. Will Deku ever reach a hundred percent? Well, he surpassed a hundred percent. He, uh, he like went out and did like 1000, 3000 or whatever, that one moment. So I think he, you know, will eventually be able to harness all of All Might's power like consistently. Realistically, yeah. that has to be like a thing that happens, and then he gets two thousand, and then five thousand, and then we stop caring about percentages again because that's how Shonen Manga works. Yeah, power levels become irrelevant after a while. Uh, other than one for all slash all for one, what is the coolest quirk? Oh, wow, that's a good one. Um, jeez, I mean, to be fair, like. All for one as a like I think that is sort of like it, it it's it's a cheat so it's it's hard to really yeah. it's not really like that interesting of a power honestly you give people powers or yeah you transfer powers and one for all is like I give someone my power so it's sort of like it just happens like he got super strength along with it um um I feel, I my my joke answer would be um. Uh, uh, that that one quirk that one uh person from class A has, where where he can just shoot tape out of his arms, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, um, I I don't know. I feel like the coolest power, uh, if I had just had to come up with one off the top of my head, I feel like would be um Yao Yorozu's and her ability to like m- to like make things from herself. I thought I I kind of thought that was really interesting. Um. <laughs> Um, I, I forgot his name, but the guy who has the mind control ability. Oh, Shinzo. Shinzo. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. That's I, right. I, it, I guess I'd also probably I would also throw that as like a possibility of him being a villain as well. Yes, mm. they, they they also hinted like, oh, you could become a villain too. Ha 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 ha. And then yeah, I was like, and then he's like, ah, no, I'm a hero. I, I I think that the way it works, I, I like I like limitations with superpowers. I like the idea of having rules established. Like you need to talk to him, you need to respond to him for him to take control of you, kind of thing. I thought that was that's kind of clever. It reminds me of like uh, the Purple Man from uh, Jessica Jones. Um, oh yeah, and which is like like that's the thing. Like that power is so diabolical. Like you would figure like man, this kid he can possibly be a supervillain like, if he took a different turn. But, yeah. Um, um, other, I mean, I, I can think of a lead. The headphone jack one, I think I actually really like that one, too. Yeah, Jiro's? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sid? I'm trying to think about which one would actually be useful in day-to-day life for me. Uh, how, about, how about a tail? How about having a tail? <laughs> nah. I guess Recovery <laughs> Girl's power is pretty, pra- is, is pretty practical. Um, yeah. Recovery Girl's pretty good. She's she's great. <laughs> I guess Eraserhead's power is kind of an ultimate power because he basically can erase other people's quirks. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. That's not actually useful if you're not a if you don't want to be like a hero or whatever. I mean, to be fair, like we're in a world where there's not really superheroes either, so it's not like you can use yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I'll just go with Recovery Girl for now because I got to think about all the all the quirks again. But uh, oh. Actually, Invisible Girl. <laughs> Just being <laughs> invisible is actually a great power. Yeah. Or, uh, and, like, the guy who can, like, teleport, that's also pretty useful. I'd never be late again to anything. <laughs> that's true. It's pretty convenient. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, what kind of quirks would you like to see? So, oh, quirks that haven't one. been introduced that's yet. Introduced. That's... Mm. 
honestly. I might, my go-to is always fire, but then we already have that. Um, <laughs> um, what about a quirk that actually lets somebody fly? Has that been introduced yet? An um, actual fly? I mean... Like, uh, like, actually flying, not not just jumping from building to building. A floating is, like, sort of flying... Is it like sorta or Raka can do that? Yeah. Sort of, but that like that has it that has its limits though. Thank you. Um, let's see. Um We have morph already, so no more don't worry about that anymore. I, I, I think yeah, that's my answer. Like I, I want somebody to actually have to be able to actually fly. To like actually fly up in the air through the sky, something like that. I don't know how useful that would be in combat. You'd have to be pretty creative, but, you know, I, I think that would be really cool. Like, I actually, it, it would be really interesting to, like, finally have a superhero that actually flies. I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like time time manipulation powers. So, like, any form of that would probably be interesting to see employed in my hero. No one has just general super speed. I don't believe. I don't think so. Yeah. No. yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. That's like a weird, like, oh, everyone, had, like, that's, you'd expect a, a speedster of some sort. No, that's a, that's a basic one. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the guy who can talk to fish? How about that one? Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's never been done before. My hero's version of Aquaman. That would actually, would, yeah. I was, didn't this one dude already talk to animals? Oh, uh, I think there I is. Know. I forget his name though. He's like the rocky looking guy. I can can Yeah, yeah, he 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 can talk to animals. I forget his name though. So. I guess he technically can talk to fish. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Unless fish can't talk like in animal land. Maybe. I mean, the fish can talk in Animal Land, but no one could understand it. it, was, it we're, we're not here to talk about Animal Land. Anyway, uh we should, though, one day. Anyway, what role do you think Stain could play in the series from here on in? I feel like he's... I think I his like role his, is over. Yeah. No, I don't think... Uh, I don't think his role is over. I think that uh, he is going to come back at some point, but I just don't know in what capacity as an ally or as an enemy or it's like just oh. this aloof, like... He is sort of he can oscillate between the two roles. I mean, mm. when I mean his role is over, I meant like the like the thing that is basically allowing more villains to show up. Like he, like you mentioned, him being the martyr of sorts. Like his oh, his, yeah. his role in the story is already kind of set. Like he's kind of good. He can still come back, yeah. Um, as a villain of some sort, I don't know what he would do unless he has his own. He he escapes and forms his own organization of some sort some other like like other weird villains that are hero killers maybe um it, unless i mean i feel like it'd be too easy if he just should um shows up and joins the league of villains already now it's just like eh. yeah i don't think he wants to join the league of villains because again he doesn't see himself as a villain and he doesn't actually he doesn't like villains or criminals either yeah uh, which characters should have more appearances? I think we've mentioned uh, some characters we'd like to see more of several times in the podcast. Invisible uh, girl. Invisible girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's actually... <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we would like to see her more, wouldn't we? Can we see um, less of Mineta? Like, I don't know. It's a, can we, is that question there? Um, I mean, we can reverse it, sure. Yeah, less of Mineta, please. Uh, I, I, um, I, I, it's uh, the the gadget chick. I forgot her name again. Um, uh, Hatsume. 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 Yeah, I like her. Yeah, she should come back a, a bit more. I'd like to see her serve a bit a bit of a bigger role than what she's had recently. Yeah, and like I've mentioned before, I'd like to see more of both Jiro and Hakukure. Okay. And uh, so, who do we think is the best villain? I think that's, I guess if Stain counts, that's my pick. Yeah, if if we're not counting one, uh, all for one, I think... Um, Stain, yeah, St- Stain's pretty high up there. Right? Stain would probably be my favorite villain, yeah. And then alternatively, who do we think is the best hero? I, I think actually it is All Might for me. I actually really like All Might as a character. And it's kind of cool to see, like, this is, like, in the same way My, My Hero Academia is the story of Midara uh, becoming into his own as a hero. It's also the story of, like, All Might passing the torch and, like, his final days, years as a hero. So I, I like that interesting, like, dichotomy. I also like just seeing, like, that denouement for All Might's character. Yeah, we really didn't talk about All Might too much, but I think that's just because, like, it's kind of hard not to like All Might. Yeah, it's like, it's just like, hey, it's Superman. Okay, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as, like, the heroes, I actually really like Eraserhead. Something about mm-hmm. him is, like, interesting. I, I like his design. I like his, the way he fights is also really cool. Uh, I mean, it's one of those like you take your pa- you take that power and how do you use it effectively is kind of it is is really like how that character shines. Um, I think the, um, it, the when he was fighting those group of people, you kind of see him like using it in different places and hurting like in crowds and how how effective he is. Despite that being a very easily one on one fight with him, you would lose instantly. But um, I really like the limitation on his powers where like. Cause, cause obviously it's a very cheap power, but like, I like, I like how the limit of his powers is that, oh, I can't use my powers too much. Otherwise my eyes dry up. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find the series generic or bland or are the haters trying too hard? Um, I feel, oh, yeah, I guess uh, the haters are trying too hard. There's more merit in My Hero Academia for you to call it generic or bland, I think. Like, there are, like, actual, if you, like, you can read into, like, some interesting cultural things about, like, how Horikoshi is taking the concept, the concept of Western superheroes and then applying it to, like, a Japanese cultural mindset. And, like, uh, you can also, and there is, like, character development and, like, Horikoshi puts enough spin on the shonen formula to like make it its own thing and like it feels like this great combination of eastern and western tropes so I I think like there's plenty of merit in my hero academia I wouldn't call it generic or bland at all Uh, I would probably say it's a very it's a very Japanese superhero series in the sense of um I think the 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 um, when All Might was describing how he got one for all, and really, I think the the the, the line that he mentioned about how essentially it is like this uh, evil thing that kind of created one for all is sort of a it's very much akin to something like a uh, uh, a common writer, mass writer, uh, in that where it was a guy who was 
brainwashed and changed by an evil organization, but he took that evil uh, power and made it good. Is like I think that's what really it, it like it really really describes how um, all for one could have been like I mean one for all I should uh, was essentially because it was like here is an evil villain guy giving a guy uh, someone else the power of like super strength and he, how he took that and put it to gave it to someone else for good. It's 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 like that is very much that sort of like Japanese superhero sensibility because um, I mean like when most when it comes to most. Um, Western superhero types, um, like things like Spider-Man, Superman, uh, most people were kind of given it by accident or like some freak thing that got him or he, someone was actually handed the, the power of like Green Lantern or whatever. Uh, some mm-hmm. people had to face a, like a horrible tragedy, like a, spy, like, a, like a Batman who then trained to become the person that he is. You don't really see the like – the the super villain captured a person, made him bad, but then he realized, oh no, I should be good. As often as you may see in like maybe a Japanese, I think like Shitari Shinomori is like a lot of his heroes, uh, the uh, the creator of Kamen Rider, um, he, are are sort of that sort of like walking that line between hero and villain constantly. It's like you will, you have the, you have the power to be a god or a demon, um, to even to some extent even like a devil man is also like a technically also a superhero um over there um but is it is is it is walking that fine line is very much a japanese sort of ideal of what a superhero is um while over here it's more very one-sided it's very mm-hmm. black and white more more so than anything else the the the, the, the grayness is a lot more in from what i see and my perspective is more in the japanese sensibility yeah Personally, I feel like I I don't think My Hero Academia is generic or bland. Like I feel like like Sid said, My Hero Academia has way more merit than I think most people call attention to. But I also will say that I don't think like My Hero Academia really like redefines the genre or anything. Like it's still very shonen, but I still think it's very well executed. And as I keep bringing up, there are very small moments that I really appreciate that do kind of set it apart from other shonen manga for me that I think are very thoughtful, well-meaning choices that I really do enjoy uh, when it comes to the writing of My Hero Academia. It's, it's not generic, is that you've, you notice the shonen tropes a lot more often than you probably don't want to. <laughs> I think that's a problem. Yeah. Like you're, you're more, you're more aware of those ideas, uh, those tropes now than you probably were before. And that's why people are like upset about it. It's hard to not be like, you have your one piece bleach. Naruto. If, uh, the people who are following this now, like are people who have already came across those other series. So they know and what, know what to expect from it. So when you see something like this come along where, it's, you know, to some extent it's for a new audience, um, uh, they may not have noticed those things right off the bat, but yeah, it's hard. To, sometimes it's hard to not notice it. Sometimes it's it stinks like, because like I sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like we we talked about last episode of our show about how like when we were talking about Black Clover and how the main character of that uh, compares to other protagonists. Uh, we talked about how people complain about how stupid he is or whatever and how annoying he is when those same people literally praise like people uh characters like Goku and Luffy for that or whatever like 
the things that they complain about with other characters, they praise with other characters, probably because they saw them first and or grew up with them or whatever. So it's this weird, like, double standard. Yeah, it's it's basically the first thing that, like, the their first thing is the best thing. So yes. it, it's... And when they don't realize that, like, look, dude, you were seeing the it's the exact same archetype to like change a few things. It's like okay, instead of it being ninja power, it's sword power. I don't know something dumb. It's like hey, it's it's magic people, not like technology people. I don't know. Uh, it, <laughs> it's it, it, there is there has to be a level of like look realize that. You're you're still following the same sort of magazine that covers the same sort of uh, archetypes and um, lessons and what have you. So like the goodness of a lot of those series still come across uh, despite some of those uh, ex those shonen tropes. And like My Hero Academia kind of proves that. Like you look at it like like we said like if we keep like saying like it's a smarter Naruto is sort of just a show like hey they they got a lot of those ideas like a lot of those things like you have a school you have a training exam you have a big fight and then you go back to training and then you do another big fight eventually uh it, it's it's cyclical we do this all the time it's it's just like people are now more aware of it now and so it's it's hard to not notice it um it's so to call it hater uh is more like and I used air quotes there if you heard it, um, it's uh, it's to say it's just more maybe misguided anger <laughs> towards something. But uh, I would say like if there are people who don't like it, like I did at the beginning, I didn't. Um, I've come around to it a little bit later on, but it's sort of to, like I'm willing to say like there there are problems with it, but it's problems with the genre, not so much the series itself. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's it's it, I have, it. There are symptoms, not a like. I'm I'm focusing on the symptoms, not the disease itself. Uh, well, <laughs> I, you're fo- you're you're focusing on the symptoms, not the disease. But I'm more focused on the disease itself. The disease of Shonen Manga should die. Um, but now, um, <laughs> I, I know it's uh, hey, don't worry about it too much. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. enjoy enjoy your show. Enjoy your show. Let people enjoy things. Have fun. That's the point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and like this that can lead to our final question here. Are there anything that you think the series can improve on in the future? Everyone needs to die. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, they need a. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess need, higher stakes, higher stakes, but that's that comes with the genre. Um, yeah, I, I think as we've been saying, like it still hasn't felt like my hero academia has hit its really big series defining arc yet in the same way like other series ha- uh, long running children series had done at by this point. So I think that's just where everyone's waiting for. I think people are going to see that once the um, all, all for one fight is animated. I think because that that's that come that happens all the time when it comes to series is people don't realize it until way later once it's actually animated when realize hey that is really cool we should really go back to that and that's why you have things like um, Attack on Titan suddenly getting like a like a, a jolt of popularity after the anime coming out it doesn't help with the theme song but um <laughs> it's uh it's it's noticing right off the bat like oh wow hey this is really good why didn't we know about this before you didn't read you suck um so <laughs> uh it i think i think we're going to see that and like the popularity probably will shine and that's that's a good the goodness of anime everyone everyone gets that bump eventually but having that peak moment uh when it's like everything comes together in this thing I'd probably say if they finally kill All Might, 
I think that's really yeah. it. Like, how do you kill Superman? It's well, he's like as a symbol, he's almost kind of dead already. So you can kill him, kill him, but like his the idea of him is already somewhat dead. It is that sort of power vacuum, like you mentioned earlier, Sid, about like needing to find that space and who can put that in there. They may not have it for a while or until someone else shows up, or obviously Midoriya will be will be the one eventually, but um, we're not there yet for his for his arc. Is he's not there yet? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, per- like personally, I'm I'm fine with All Might not being dead at the moment. Because, like, like you said, you know his his status as the symbol of peace is already kind of non-existent at this point. Is obviously really sort of shaken up the superhero society, which I think is really interesting. So, if All Might is gonna actually die, like physically die, I want it to make sense and I want it to mean something. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want All Might to die just because you know he should die. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's how it's going to turn out. I definitely think when All Might does die, it's going to be a really big deal. Yeah. And it'll probably be one of the most powerful and memorable that scenes. Uh, I'm probably going to cry. I'm not even going to lie. Um, <laughs> hey, that rhymed. Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's probably going to be one of those moments where, like, everybody on the internet is going to hear about it, and they're going to be like, hey, that My Hero Academia thing, I should read that. <laughs> that 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 will be the moment where like oh I probably should get back to my hero academia something happened um. <laughs> and that does it for questions thank you Spark for sending those in and I think I'll have to rely on you for sending us some topic suggestions for when we organize the manga fight for my hero academia on that note I guess I should mention it that yes. We have chosen My Hero Academia for the next topic of Manga Fights, which will be uh, coming out hopefully later this month. We'll hopefully get that organized and scheduled to record uh, later in the later in this month and uh, hopefully about out by the end of the month. So uh, I don't know who will have on for that yet, uh, but uh, look forward to it. And definitely send us your topic suggestions or any additional questions and comments you have on My Hero Academia for us to answer and comment on on the show. But I think that about does it for this episode of Manga Mavericks and My Hero Academia discussion. Thank you for coming on, Doctor. It was great discussing the series with you. Oh, yeah. It was really fun. I really enjoyed this discussion. And uh, hopefully uh, we can have you guys on um, my show eventually. Well, technically, you guys are on it now. I'll hopefully, be, <laughs> uh, hopefully I'll be uh, releasing this on my feed as well so people can listen to because I need an episode out there as well. But, yeah, no, I, it, all around, I think it, it, this is a fun series that people should really check out if they get a chance to. And it, it may take a little while for some people. Uh, but it does eventually get to where it needs to go. Um, so, yeah, great fun. Well, there you go. And so, yeah, thank you, Doc, for coming on. Um, tell us where people can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, many many places, saying irrelevant things most of the time about wrestling sometimes, uh, over at SSAA Podcast. Uh, so, obviously, I run the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast over at SSAAPodcast.com. 
Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I do also run a Gintama podcast, GintamaPodcast.com. It's called Just a Gintama Podcast. We cover all the uh, recent things that are going on with the manga, or it's about to end, uh, technically, and the anime, which already just ended again. Um, it happens. It's cyclical. Uh, but yeah, you can go on there. You can also listen to One Podcast Prevails over at One Podcast Prevails dot wordpress.com which uh, myself and colton uh, go through every uh, uh every manga of the case close manga or detective conan uh we go through them case by case going over everything that happens it's sort of it's a very interesting sort of like little show sort of retrospective of the series as a whole uh luckily there is endless amounts of manga so uh <laughs> I, I, it's it's gonna keep going for a while until one of us dies. Yep. Or 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 Ayama dies. One of us dies. Ayama, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure doesn't like uh, doing anything about the main story. He just wants to keep going, which that's fine. Case closed. Make some money, I'm sure. So I can't really blame the guy. Oh yeah, all the monies. So they, <laughs> all the money, all the money. So yeah, uh, I think uh, if you have not. Uh, listen to any of our uh, any of the podcasts that I I am part of. That's okay, no worries. But yeah, no, uh, go check a, a show, check all the shows out. Uh, we'll hopefully be releasing more episodes of the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast soon enough. We I have already episodes planned out and um, what have you. If you listen to the show already, you know, hey, like like uh, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Google Play for all three of those podcasts. Um, and that should be it right now. So yeah, that's that's me. All right, there you go. Uh, Sid, how about you? You can find me as Lam Ramiyasha on Twitter, my anime list, Animation Revelation, and a bunch of other places, but my main hangouts are Twitter and Animation Revelation, though I'm more active on Animation Revelation. That's basically all I want to say for now. Uh, but since, you know, we keep forgetting to mention this, I guess I'll just say it right now, that, uh, please like and subscribe to our, the Manga Mavericks YouTube page. We still need a hundred subscribers to get that custom oh, URL. Yeah. So just look us up on YouTube and, uh, hit that subscribe button so we can get that custom URL. Yeah, do it, please. Okay. Uh, remember, one like equals one prey. All right. Um, I don't know where that comes from, but I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Because I love it. Um, so, yeah. And just I, like the movie Mavericks catchphrase. <laughs> We're still going with that catchphrase. I don't know. We're just rolling with it. Rolling with it, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel bad. I, yeah, we do keep forgetting to uh, uh, put that out there. Yeah, but follow us on YouTube if you haven't already. We usually uh, post uh, not whole episodes because, uh, that, you know, th- those, those are too long already. But, you know, we at least post our discussions whenever we have them. Uh, into more like uh, digestible bits, as digestible as the show can be. Um, but yeah, please go follow Manga Mavericks at YouTube.com. Um, but you know, as for me, uh, you can uh, find me Colton on Twitter at as uh, Sniper King three two three. That's S N I P E R K I N G three two three. I also host a Gintama podcast. You know, just to make things more confusing. Uh, that's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. Uh, sort of the same idea as One Podcast Prevails is. 
mentioned earlier, we kind of go through uh, Gintama the manga as through the old Viz Media release specifically, and we're kind of a retrospective on uh, the Gintama manga as was released by Viz Media, all 23 volumes of whatever came out over here. So go follow that at gintolifelessons.wordpress.com. Uh, Doctor already mentioned one podcast reveals. Please listen to that. I like recording that, and I like Case Closed. So go listen to that. One podcast prevails dot wordpress dot com. Um, but I guess just as for manga mavericks as a whole, you know, you can uh, you can find our podcast at all dash comic dot com. That's where we post every episode of the podcast first. And uh, you can find uh, all of our backlog there. You can also follow all comic on Facebook dot com slash all dot comic or on Twitter dot com slash all comic underscore. But if you want to follow the Manga Mavericks podcast uh, in particular, you can follow us uh, on Twitter specifically at manga underscore Mavericks. Uh, please do that for all the uh, latest updates on the podcast or whatnot. You can also uh, email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Please do, because we will read your questions and thoughts on the show. What manga are you reading? What do you think about My Hero Academia? Uh, did you like listening to Doctor? I hope you do, because maybe we can have him on again sometime. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Oh, we'll no. see what happens. <laughs> oh, we'll, 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 we'll make him read another 100-chapter-plus manga in three days and have him back on again. Yeah, let's do that again. Hey. But we're doing the Black Clover discussion with Doctor this time. No, no, please, I don't, wanna... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like rereading Black Clover just yet. Maybe in the next ten years. Um, uh, but please email us at mangamavericks@gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes if you uh, feel like doing so. We'd appreciate it. But uh, that's going to be about it for this episode of Manga Mavericks. Um, we will see you guys next time for episode twenty-nine. Bye, guys. Sayonara.